get it going. It's time to get up. Top of the circle, then gets it to the corner for Shifley. Backhand pass in front for Stasny. Robbed by Holtby, and then he sent the second chance wide of the net. It comes back in front, and Stasny scores. Holtby was still down and out, but that is going to do it. As the Vancouver Canucks split their two-game set with the Winnipeg Jets. These guys are here to break it all down. We have to win games right now. We want to be in the playoffs. You know, we get a chance to kind of hang around a game 3-2 going into the third. We need to come out with at least a point today. And Joe Bonofsky. Some people listen to music in the morning. I listen to you guys. This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. It is Wednesday, March the 3rd. This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. James Sabalski here. Perry Solkowski there. Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass, kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning. You know the details. Always available on 650 on the AM dial. Crystal clear, high definition on HD3 at 96.9. Or you can stream us on the Sportsnet app as well. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Always open for business. Remember your homework assignment. Get those submissions in. Your Canucks in a song. What song best sums up the Canucks performance from last night as they get kicked in the you-know-what. Another setback for the Canucks. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. At Sportsnet 650 is where you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as well. And 604-280-0650, the number to call. 604-280-0650, the number to call here on Sportsnet 650. Well, Pear, lots to get to over the course of the morning. Ed Jovanovsky, as mentioned, will join us in about an hour. Ken Priestley, Mr. Fixit, Stanley Cup winner, also joining us uh, from Dunbar Lumber at 7.30 this morning. And Corey Hirsch, our Sportsnet 650 hockey analyst, uh, dropping by on your Canucks commute just after 8 o'clock as the Canucks fall yet again. Seemed like the lid blew off last night for the fan base. Um, You know, Monday was fun. Wouldn't have touched these guys to go, hey, they'll be able to go back-to-back against the Jets. Uh, And then nothing yesterday. Same empty words when it's all done. Same lack of effort, it appears, when you watch them. Lack of offense and mistakes that we have been watching for three months. You can't put two good hockey games together. I understand the frustration. I mean, we've been talking for a minute. The text line's already in. People are just tired of it all. They want to see a movement, be it management. My goodness, someone just asked for Mike Babcock's available. It's gotten that low that they're calling for Mike Babcock. James, I don't think we will see either because of the situation we're in, but both certainly have to be questioned, and I would like the odds that one or the other. Specifically, I think we will see the management change come. But it's on the players and the effort. I mean, just compete. Just look like you are dogging and going after everything. If you're beat by the better team, which Winnipeg is, it is so much easier to swallow. But when you go, it looks apathetic, and really, are you pushing that hard? That's what I think sours everybody in this fan base. Were they were they apathetic last night? I felt so. Like JT Miller, three tough strides to get back in that first goal. But then he goes full-on beer league cruise mode. Legs are spread. He's watching the puck when he gets inside the blue line. One more stride, he's tied a guy up. I mean, that's why they're paid the millions of dollars to that little extra effort that you see. Uh, I, d- I just didn't see the work ethic there. That's a better team in Winnipeg. And, you know, Murph talked about it with us on Monday. Maybe the Canucks uh, just uh, a Jets team that wasn't very good. 
Yeah, that, that's a little bit of the case. But still, I just didn't see a massive compete by them. Okay, so I, I will say this. Uh, in any other time, you would take a split in Winnipeg all day, every day, right? For sure. For a team that's absolutely clobbered, a place that was an absolute wasteland for the Canucks for the better part of the last decade, to get a split against the Jets would typically be a win, and a big win at that. But this is a team that desperately needs wins. I'm not quite sure the reactionary up and down where there was a positive energy after Monday's win and having a few days off, and there was that, hey, okay, breathe, maybe this is the start of something. And then, of course, last night, obviously not, wasn't sustainable, they get spanked. Um, I think a lot of people felt goaltending let them down, and that was an issue. But I would say, and well, let's get into that in a moment here, but I, I, I will say this. This market is terrible at picking favorites, right? There are some guys on this on this team, and it happens year after year after year, where coaches have their teacher's pets, but fans have their teacher's pets as well, that some guys can do no wrong, and some guys can do no right. And you gave JT Miller as the example where, you know, JT Miller, you know, and I heard a lot of people complaining about JT Miller and the effort, you know, and giving up on the on the one play. And you thought, ah, you know, you could be harder on the You know what? There's a lot of guys that could be harder to play against on a nightly basis. But, you know, everybody is on, I hate JT Miller this year because he's not good enough. Um, where there's other guys that get the hall pass, right? And I will say this, Brandon Sutter is, is the perfect low-hanging fruit example on this team. Brandon Sutter has actually been very good for this team over the last year. Played really well, I thought, in the playoffs and the return to play bubble in Edmonton. And you know what? I think Brandon Sutter has quietly had a good season for himself, right? And I would say has helped this team. Hasn't been a problem for this team. I know people will never get over the cap hit. I know people will never love the fact that he makes over $4 million a year and hasn't lived up to that sort of billing as a second-line center, which he was kind of billed as when he got here. But Pear... People ripped on uh, on Brandon Sutter and that turnover last night, uh, dying seconds of the first period, and he's hustling, hustling, trying to make a play, trying to swat the puck out of harm's way, and as he tries to swat the puck, it goes right onto the stick of a Winnipeg Jet. Man, that was an effort play. That guy's trying to back check. That guy's trying to hustle, and it's all the easy, low-hanging fruit critics that are all out there on social media that are sitting there going, oh, Brandon Sutter, at least he's got another assist. Honestly, you know, and if that's Quinn Hughes, you know, what does everybody say? Oh, that's a tough play. You know, Quinn Hughes trying to make a play, you know? But it's Brandon Sutter, so it's like, this guy's garbage. This guy's a piece of crap. What's he doing out there? That's an effort play, man. You want to see effort. And exactly your point about this team, like, that guy's trying to play. He's trying to compete. And if more guys gave an ish like Brandon Sutter, this team would be in a much better place. JT Miller takes the heat because he's a guy who's supposed to score, and he's a superstar. Brandon Sutter takes the heat because we've realized, hey, the $4 million and him putting up 20-goal seasons and maybe a second-line center is not his forte. It's being smart on the right side of the puck and making right decisions. So when he doesn't make those right decisions in his own end, and it was desperation, and I'll give you the little bit of a flyby by Myers and Hoaglander on that, he's got to play it. Jay Beagle, when you're losing in the face-off circle, that's what you're supposed to be good at. That's what you're paid at. I think it's fair to heap it on Sutter. Sutter got a lot of praise before the first game or Travis Green and the rumors of Sutter maybe going to the Edmonton Oilers. I think he helps the team. He was really good in the bubble. 
I think Sutter helps this team. When we had the discussion, hey, if you can get him back for a couple million, do you look at it? Do you look at it for leadership? But own it. He'll own it. Hope he owns it. That's another crazy decision that was made. I think everybody when everybody's got to have the magnifying glass on them when they're not playing poorly. And when, they, when they're playing well, you, we, we gave it to them Monday. Hey, congratulations. No one was great. Everyone was good. Yesterday, uh, yeah, I guess everyone was okay, and that's not good enough. And, yeah, split in Winnipeg's great. But when you win the first, see if you can get it together. My goodness. I, if someone wants to put Canucks in a song, one is the loneliest number because that's all you get from this team. One win and that's it. Not good enough to pick up two. You didn't like the uh, Holpe decision. If you were going to talk about desperate hockey, we got to play desperate. Not enough desperation in the third period. At some point, don't you have to coach like you're desperate? Travis Green's got to own a little bit of this one. You just saw Thatcher Demko with his first career regular season shutout on Monday. Tell you what, didn't work all that hard. 27 saves. Okay, there's no way we can play Thatcher Demko the next night. Why not? He's had three days off, played Thursday, rest, rest, wins. Unless Thatcher Demko had something wrong, why aren't you desperate with your coaching moves? I don't know. I thought Thatcher Demko was pretty good in game six and game seven against Las Vegas. No day off in that one. 40-plus saves in that one. You played him the next day. You don't think he could play? Travis Green's got to own a little bit. All right, guys, you played well. We're not going to make a switch. Thatcher, you're okay. Keep it rolling. They didn't beat you. They're not going to beat you again tonight. Show some desperation as a coach rather than, oh, you know, the odds say uh, we got a good backup. We're going to play Hopley who hasn't won in six weeks. That's the way to go. I think Travis Green's got to own that decision. Coach desperately. You're asking him to the guys on the ice. Make a decision that's not the normal one to go, ah, we're, we're going to go back and forth. It's not, it's not U13 where the goalies get to share because the mom and dads have paid the same registration fee. Play your hot guy. See if he rolls. I mean, had Demko not just played a few consecutive games? Yeah, Thursday and Monday. Like, can you not go back to back? Like, why would you not play Thatcher but, Demko? But, but last isn't night? but isn't that but isn't this partly why they signed Braden Holpe to bring so, him be- in to replace? Like, but to, for these particular cases, at a stretch that you're now playing thirteen games in twenty four nights. At a time that it is important to have a back, you know, two goaltenders with the amount of games you're playing. Look, I didn't have an issue with going with Braden Holpe. And I would say this like, this guy is an experienced veteran goaltender, right? You brought him in as a huge safety net in terms of finding out what you've got in Thatcher Demko. I didn't have a problem with going with Braden Holpe. Unfortunately, I will say this I was wrong about Braden Holpe. I liked the signing at the time of Braden Holpe for two so years at four and a half million, but Braden Holpe's not the guy, you know. And they're finding out firsthand, unfortunately. But Braden Holpe, I didn't have a problem with him going with it. Like for as many people that were outraged, you have to play Demko back to back. This isn't the playoffs. This isn't an elimination. It's the middle of the season. I understand there's a sense of urgency, but you also have to find out what you got. Braden Holpe is a former Vesna Trophy winner, right? Like, you know, there's a guy that who's won some big games. You know, unfortunately, he's just not done it for the Vancouver Canucks. And what we've seen the trend the last two years prior to this is that Braden Holpe is a subpar goaltender in the NHL these days. How long are you waiting to find out what you got? I mean, you see what you got. You dug yourself a massive hole. And what you got on Monday was a really good goalie who I'm surprised. And while Hershey on at eight, I think likely would have been able to play again last night. 
And guess what? If he plays really well last night and they win, you go, hey, we got something going here. All right, we got to go to Holpe. Demers played a lot. We'll get him again on Saturday night. That's it. I don't understand the whole situation where, again, it's coached desperately. There's a lot of people chiming in here. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I was surprised. I thought it'd be Demko too. I wasn't totally shocked that it was Holtby, but I don't think that's the right coaching move. Do something a little bit different. Ian McIntyre talked about it in the first intermission. Really, the numbers say that's what you should be doing, but the actual numbers show you that Holtby has struggled. You know, an 880 save percentage in the last eight games that he's played. That doesn't bode well for what you need in your team. It's the old read the room. You know, they left the building on, in Winnipeg, and we talked back-to-back. He just walked across the street to the hotel. He didn't jump on a plane and fly two hours. He did it against Las Vegas in the playoffs. He's done it before. Let's roll with it. Let's see if we can get to. Then we hope the signing of Hopi, that Hopi's ready to go, and we keep it going. But why not play the best team in front of you? We look at shaking up the lines the odd time. Shake up the he plays, he plays. Back and forth, back and forth. Shake it up. Needed to be done yesterday. He didn't coach desperately. Into club, uh, texting another Dunbar Lumber text line uh, at 650-650. You know, I'm beginning to think that this Canucks market has created a mindset where Demko can do no wrong and Holpe can do no right. Like, I I will say this. Like, Mm. Demko has been the better goaltender in the last few weeks for sure, right? And I think he's starting to get the opportunity to run with it. But I would also say that is this year not also about trying to find out what you've got? Um, You know, you're trying to evaluate what you have in this team, right, in a lot of ways whether it's young players, but I think also with your goaltending too, fair? Yeah, and I would say right now, after what was a terrible first month for the entire team, I would think the organization, and, and Texas is 650-650, I, I think you're getting more and more comfortable with what you're seeing with Dr. Demko, which was the total game plan that hopefully eventually the kid grabs the reins and goes, he will actually legitimately be our number one goalie for the next six or seven years. I, I, I would think when you look at players, and there's not a lot on this team, and go, you know what? The year's been pretty good. He's trending the right way. Demko right now, for me, is one of those guys. Brayden Holpe needed to make some saves when called upon. And there there were just ones that you go, oh, man, like that just absolutely kills a team when you let in soft goals. And, and there's been a trend as of late with Braden Holpe, and you're going, man, you got to be better than that. Um, speaking of, of last night on the postgame show, there was uh, the talking, uh, the talk of the town on our uh, Canucks post-game show last night here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, some of you may have caught it, and for those of you who didn't, Earl from Mission uh, was very passionate um, and had a lot to say. And I want to share with you now uh, what Earl had to say on the post-game show last night. And uh, you can decide for yourself. Fair or foul. Here's Earl from Mission last night. And for the record, you guys, this is the abridged version of Earl. He went on for over four minutes. And I listened to the entire thing, so you don't have to. (laughs) Here are basically the highlights. Balak was stealing. uh, Balak, he was stealing. Earl was stealing airtime from uh, from Walker. My God. That's 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 a a foul. (laughs) Let's hear it. We go to Earl in Mission, who has a bit of a bone to pick. Earl, thanks for calling in. What you got for us tonight? Yeah, well, I usually only phone in if you guys are, are saying things that are quite negative. And when you have a losing game, it's hard for you guys who are on the air not to be negative about, negative about the team. But, you know, if you if you guys have trouble talking about things, then go go back to last night's game and talk about all the positives from last night. Because I, I don't like you guys bashing anybody. But here's you know, the thing. Well, but Earl, we did, we did right. that last night, man. We did the post-game show after the win last night, and it was a great post-game. 
And uh, you know what? And, it's, and if you want to hear it, man, if you want to hear it, it's online. You can just podcast it, and you can listen to the post games of the wins. Easy hey, enough. So if if you have nothing good to say today, then go back and talk about yesterday. Again. But hey, no, 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 Earl, you know Earl. I, 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 I love the GM. I love okay. the GM. Okay. I, 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 I don't give say that he's been working for seven years or, or that he's had the team for seven years. We clearly know in 2014 that Lyndon was in charge of all hockey operations. So Benning has only had this team in his own helm for two years. And what he's done in the last two years is actually quite phenomenal. I am ecstatic about where this team is right now. Okay. And you they're, know what? They're, they, in 20, they gotta, they're in 28th right now. they got to lose some games just like Washington did for years and years. But they made the playoffs have, consistently, Earl. They don't need to make the playoffs this year. This what do you mean you don't need to make the playoffs? Like, how do you measure success? I mean, listen, our job, Earl, oh. isn't to wave pom-poms and sit here and say, you know what, the Canucks lost tonight, but they won last night. Let's go back and revisit the wins. Let's just throw bouquets. All we're going to do here is say positive things and ignore the negatives. That's not a way to do a job, Earl. Like you can't, you can't properly, you can't expect somebody to lie to fans and say, "Hey guys, don't worry about this season. Let's just wave our pom poms and let's celebrate and talk about how good this season is and how good last night was." Forget the fact you've only won ten games all season. Well, then let's talk about a positive. When they were doing playing against Edmonton, yeah, uh, but three games ago, I saw I saw a, a power killing line, which was my Mayers, Edler, Sutter, and Beagle which look like the best four penalty killers on any team in the NHL. Come so why on, would you Earl. get rid of Are you serious? Are you not watching what, I, what I've been I, watching? I, I, when, I, when, apparent, when apparently not, man. This team's in, in 28. No, it, it just this, doesn't. This, this call has to die. Earl's call had to die. <laughs> <laughs> it just it fell out. It, it fell Goodbye, out. Earl. Uh, the chicks. Positive. Uh, yes. Good call, Walker. Going with one of my sister's favorite songs there with Goodbye, Earl. Um, man, so there's a guy who's trying to find some positivity with the team and um, got absolutely no love from Satin Walks last night. Well, I, you know, James, we see it when we, we ask people for submissions and Canucks in a song because – you know, yesterday morning it was, hey, that was good. It's fun to watch. Everybody wants this team to succeed, right? But when it doesn't and it struggles, the job is, all right, how are they going to change it? And yesterday was one of those, man, like they are missing so many pieces. And some of the pieces that are here, you question it, right? We, we mentioned the JT Miller. Okay, where's that going? Holpe, you sign it. Was it right? Was it wrong? Um, hey, maybe they do the unthinkable on Thursday and, and play well against the Leafs. But it's about getting to the final destination and the journey. And I think we felt that we were going, all right, this car is moving the right way. I'll have to leave it in the bubble. All right, we got some decent pieces. All right, we made some changes. And now we're going, wow, did uh, did we get rid of some of the wrong parts and some of the parts that are here aren't really working. So good on Earl. I'd like Earl to be my neighbor. I think you need a, you need a, a neighbor like that all the time. Always happy, right? Coming over to help you fix something because he's always in a good mood. But maybe not realistic on what's going on. Hey, guys, do you, do you understand what uh, Earl's trying to say? I think what he was trying to say was that he was a big member of a certain movement. How about the keep th- it to a the, thank the, you, the... Jim? <laughs> yeah, a big thank That's you, all he was Jim, trying to say. Uh, just trying to say, look, guys, yeah, at the end of the year, you know, give Jim a pat on the back on the way out the door, right? Thank you, Jim. 
Thanks. Thanks for bringing Petey here. Thanks for bringing Queen Hughes here. Uh, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. A lot of you jumping in uh, over the course of the morning. Uh, and, man, just a, a resignation to uh, that uh, this team is done and the fact that, yeah, I think the idea of we've heard a lot of rumblings about the Ducks uh, putting up the for sale sign with respect to players, uh, the Predators we've heard uh, over the last few weeks as well, and that the Canucks should probably get in front of this right now and try to sell some assets. Mike and Maple Ridge here, Pear, uh, saying, morning, boys. I hope you have your water wings on for when we have to jump off this sinking ship. Just want to make a quick point about Braden Holpe. Uh, I know you can't blame the loss on him solely, but make a damn save, a big save, just when the team needs you. You saw the ship basically go down on the third and the Canucks failed to get the puck out and Holpe is out of his net scrambling around making error after error and then finally Winnipeg scores. He's been a complete debacle in net this year. No big or timely saves when needed. And then Green, what the hell are you doing? Not riding the hot hand uh, with Thatcher Demko playing great and you start Holpe. Idiot moves like this make me wonder about this coach sometimes. Uh, so that's Mike and Maple Ridge. Kind of going with what you were saying. like you know, And I think a lot of people were kind of in what you were saying. I didn't mind the decision to go with Braden Holpe, but I'll tell you this much. I think the numbers would tell you and what we've seen from the amount of starts, Braden Holpe is a misfire on signings. I like, but but you can't go back. I, I, I do like the signing, James. I think we were on the same page going, because you're still unsure of Thatcher Demko. But at some point, you have to be positive in what you have in Thatcher Demko. I thought last night was the night to go Demer take it, see what you could do with it, right? And he didn't. I think Braden Holpe will play some decent hockey games, but rather than looking at the it's a 1A, 1B, no, it's a 1 and it's a 2. So ride that number 1 as long as you can. And to play back-to-back after they had three days off and he gets a shout-out, I don't think that was a good, like, to me that was a logical call. Do it. Your team is desperate. Read the room. And I was just surprised that Travis Green's got to be a little more desperate in his coaching decisions. And, 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 you know, there's lots we can get into with Green, but I think it can, seems can, like can that's we, what most people are looking at. Can we share some of these comments here from uh, about Earl? Uh, Earl was on mushrooms is one text. Uh, deep reach alert uh, is another text uh, coming in. Earl, come on, man. Here's a participation ribbon. Uh, the Indian Rocket says Earl wants to watch fake news network. Uh, <laughs> Earl, a song for Earl, When Doves Cry. That's Van City Zavid in Toronto listening this morning. Um, <laughs> no, let's not pile on Earl. Let's not pile on Earl. We need a lot of people to make the world go round. You need a lot of people to be fans. And good on him. I mean, he, he's probably wearing his Jim Sandlack jersey and, and thinking this is okay. Uh, I, I love the positive uh, that he has in it. I don't know if it's realistic, mm-hmm. but there's positive. Hey, it's the could this team take a step backwards to take a step forwards? Well, Earl, we're on that path. They are, they're they're handling the step backwards. It's just sometimes you wonder really when are the step forwards coming and who's in charge of it next year when they're making those steps. Two with the Leafs uh, up next starting tomorrow and then two against the Montreal Canadiens who were finally winners last night. Uh, 650-650, your Canucks in a song. Get those submissions into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Here's my submission this morning, pair and boys and girls. I'm going with a little Foo Fighters and trying to figure out what this team is. Look, we saw that four-game series with the Calgary Flames. We saw the games against the Oilers, and we saw these four against the Jets teams that you're trying to catch. I think we would kind of all agree that after those 10 games, we would have an idea of what the Canucks are, and I think it's crystal clear. It's the Foo Fighters saying the Canucks are the pretender. What am I saying now?
assists here, pair. It's as simple as that. Yeah, uh, surprising uh, that they are. Listen, there's still half a year to play. I'm going to jump on Team Earl right now, see what we can do. But my Canucks in a song, well, it's kind of wasn't thrilled with what Travis came up with, haven't been thrilled with what they're going, and after hearing Earl, it might be, uh, it might be appropriate for Earl too. Say it isn't so. Little outfield. You got me all screwed up. So much I can't turn around. Say it isn't so. Tell me I'm the only one. Say it isn't so. Found you, I can go. How was I to know? If you keep me guessing, I don't understand. Yeah, not really working. Not working. After last night. Canucks in a song. Keep them coming. A lot of good submissions coming in this morning. Uh, Jay and uh, Lady Smith uh, has a submission here this morning on the uh, Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, and this probably uh, echoes uh, the sentiment for a lot of Canucks fans this morning. It's R.E.M.'s End of the World. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. I feel fine. Oh. Uh, how about uh, David Nanaimo and Benton uh, in Kamloops, uh, both on the uh, same mental wavelength this morning, musically anyway. Uh, they're going with the doors. The end. This is the end, beautiful friend. I mean, in fairness, pair, there's 30 games to go. This but well, get in front of it you, now. You've got to go two of three, essentially, right? you got to get on that kind of a run. And, Listen, what I, am I crazy to think there, that's possible? Yeah, I'm not going to buy. Someone's giving me the odds. I'll say, sure, I'll, I'll buy a ticket on that. Um, but it, it's amazing how in 24 hours the tune can change. Credit a good hockey team on the other side, but they need to find something. They have to be, I don't want to say perfect, but they have to press all the right buttons. And I thought they missed a couple of those yesterday. And how do you take on a Leafs team that's on an absolute roll? Calgary did it at least in one game. If they can get something from Toronto, who sees? But we'll see. There's a couple great submissions in two we'll get to. Thank yeah. you. I'll sign those texts, too, because some songs that you never heard of, and you go, that's perfect. Uh, I love the Canucks. In a song. You, you, can you, tell, you can tell how frustrated this Canucks fan base is because we had a lot of people just telling us that we suck this morning. You guys suck. There's a lot of us who are sick and tired of the noise and the know-it-all people of you radio people running off your mouths daily. This city needs people that do not ridicule fans that care. So... Uh, yeah, you're getting a lot of, okay, so, all right, our pet's heads are falling off here. It's 26 minutes uh, after 6 o'clock here on this Wednesday morning. Hey, the good news is the Canucks don't play again until tomorrow, everybody, and it's actually going to have a high of 9 degrees today. But in a moment, uh, Ron Toygo uh, and the Western Hockey League and the Vancouver Giants, they're going to return to play a little later on this month for the five teams here in this province, and it sounds like they're going to get a helping hand here in the province as well. And I'm okay with it. I'll explain next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. He may not be right, but he says it with confidence anyway. I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. 632, mainly cloudy skies with a high of 9 degrees. Uh, more of your texts and submissions here at 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line as the Canucks fall yet again last night. Uh, changing gears here, though, but the province of British Columbia 
finally signed off on a return-to-play plan for BC's five Western Hockey League teams, including the Vancouver Giants and Victoria Royals. Now, with the exception of a few that competed at the World Juniors, the teenage hockey players will play competitive games for the first time in over a year starting March 26th. There's been some suggestions from a few this week about mental health concerns with some of these young players, and while I'm empathetic towards their cause, I also think that everybody's mental health has been tested over the last year, so I don't know if that's a fair excuse here. But another issue came up that Giants owner Ron Toigo suggested that the province might be lending a financial hand here. The Premier, uh, two, two or three weeks ago, kind of made a commitment that uh, he'll make it work to, to get this to happen, and um, I'm sure from what he's been doing in the background has is, is, uh, had a lot to do with getting to this point. Ah, the old government helping sports leagues debate. It's low-hanging fruit for people to rile up the masses when you hear about the idea of federal, provincial, or even municipal governments lending some monetary support for billionaires or millionaires. And let's face it, junior hockey owners aren't exactly small business owners. Mike quickly texted in yesterday when hearing of government support and was quick to point out that a downtown white spot location sold for close to a quarter of a billion dollars a couple of years ago. Here's a quick search of the owners of the Kamloops Blazers, Tom Gallardi, owner of the Dallas Stars, Sandman Hotels, Denny's Canada, Moxie's, Shark Club for all you old school cougar hunters out there. And he's also backed by Shane Doan, Jerome McGinley, and Mark Recchi. They did all right in the NHL. Prince George, they're backed by Dan Hamhuis and Eric Brewer. They did all right, too. Graham Lee in Victoria, he's doing just fine. Point is, no one's broke here, so the optics aren't great. That said, their business ventures are separate from their junior hockey investments. And no one goes into business with a long-term plan to lose money here. While real estate and builders and delivery services have absolutely thrived over the last year, sports franchises have been devastated. And in fairness to them, they weren't the ones to close the doors. They've obeyed the rules and public health orders. But by following the rules, it's resulted in massive losses going into the millions. Don't buy into the notion that they should foot the bill for losses by taking money out of their other businesses. Oh, we passed seven figures quite some time ago. I mean, uh, just just losing the end of last season, we were down over half a million. And the financial impact has been absolutely horrendous for virtually every team from in the BCHL and Western Hockey League, and uh, it's something that'll take. That you'll never recover. This, this is unrecoverable. What what all these teams are going through right now. People may not like the optics, but I'm okay with financial assistance here. Not usually one that's a big advocate for helping out the uber-rich, but in this case, I'm okay with my tax dollars helping out. Given the amount of help that's been paid out over the last year, I'm okay with our provincial government channeling our inner Bill Withers and... Lean on me when you're not strong And I'll be your friend Look, maybe not everyone agrees, but I'm a Pat taxpayer too. That's why I have a say in this as well, in this matter, and... I'm okay with lending a helping hand to get through a six-week window. And that's this morning's Seaball Says. 
Yeah. Uh, you know what I took from Ron Toigo, who's a really good guy that, that stuck with me in our conversation, that Ron has not laid anybody off in these tough times with the Giants. Good for him. But James, do you want me to get 300, 500 restaurant owners who will call us right now if we're going to give them time and tell them that, hey, I never got into the restaurant business to have 15, 30% capacity for a year. I'm losing, no, not millions, because I don't have millions, but what I'm losing to put on my table is because of the situation we're in. Mm -hmm. You're telling me you feel sad for a guy who could have three or four houses and then is going to complain that his luxury yacht's not working? It's unfortunate. It's terrible, and I love the fact they're trying to play will continue to lose money so the kids can play for a couple months. That is great. But, man, as a small business, I'm sure there's things they could have applied to. I know someone in the Western Hockey League, hey, they got what they could from their city and their state that they were involved with. But to give them more, man, Ron comes on because he's part of a hockey operation, an organization that is a big part of our community. But we could have people call in right now and just say, yeah, I'd like to tell you about my, my craft beer business. I would like to tell you about the shop that I started that I needed people coming into and I can't. It's tough. We saw it with the CFL. Give them what they can, but boy, the lineup, if you own a hockey team, which essentially is a toy because you've been successful and congratulations in other businesses, you don't get into the WHL. You don't get into BCHL to make money. It's been terrible, but that's all right. Do what you can. Thank you for being to a part of our community, but there's a long, long list in my point of view that lines up before you give money to them. Yeah, and that's totally fair, Pear, but I would also say this that a lot of those small businesses you're speaking of, they've kept the doors open, right? They've been able to do things. What percentage of people coming in, though, James? But, but Perry, have you have you been to a restaurant? Have you ordered delivery? Have you ordered takeout? Have you gone to a restaurant in the last year? And I, I have. go to. Yeah. I I, I, I I'm just I'll just tell you this. Like I have, and they maybe have limited capacity, but they've been able to at least generate some form of revenue. These teams have been shut down completely, right? They haven't been able to have anything. Right? They haven't been able to do anything. The doors have been closed completely. They've been shut down 100%. Right? Compared to, look, reduced capacity, 50% capacity. You know, I would say this. Like, has it been challenging for a lot of those small businesses? 100%. But restaurants, bars, breweries, man, they've still been able to keep doors open. And people have still been able to go. Whether you get takeout, whether you get delivery, or whether you can still go in and dine. Like, those businesses have still had the competitive advantage, I'd say, of at least keeping the doors open, Pair. So the CHL, yeah, they, they've struggled, and Quebec got the money and all that. So we're talking about court cases that go on because those that we come watch play really don't get paid a whole bunch of money. You know, restaurants, what have we said? We started it almost a year ago, support local, right? You know, stay away from the big chains because they'll be able to, to handle this situation. And, and, and handling it means they're still losing so much money. But to me, I'd rather support local and do what you can for the small businesses rather than going to the big chains. It's a tough time to see that, you know, there's there's other things going on here. Someone texting in movie theaters, right? If you're involved in movie theaters, are you getting people in there? We've seen what's going on with the real theater. You can't go in there, so you turn it into a sports bar. There's just a long, long you can't list. use craft beer. You can't use craft beer breweries. I think they're doing all right, too, as people, people have been pointing out. People well, have been sure, drinking a lot of people have been drinking a lot of beer. Liquor sales, what I'm saying is small <laughs> businesses, mom and pop organizations, that's to me where it affects. Where if you're involved in, in any kind of a sports team, 
then you are very lucky to have achieved success in some form of a business. And in essence, want to give back to the community. Yeah, you want to make some money. But Ron Toygo wants to be a big part of this community, and he is. And he does a lot to give back. And other people in the Western Hockey League do that as well. But there's a long, long list where I think other people should be in front of the line before I go to the Western Hockey League. Uh, Tony, the electrician, you're completely wrong here, Seabalt. Uh, it's less about the owners and the service industry. It's the staff that really struggled, the servers who make less than minimum wage. WHL owners are not with the common people. Um, Seabalt, what a kind of moron are you? You don't think the owners of the small businesses have put in their own money to keep the businesses afloat, and here you have high net worth individuals owning hockey teams. You want the government to step in, give your head a shake. Um, yeah, so quite a start to the morning, you and Earl. <laughs> you know, at least it, look, Earl's a positive. Lot, hey, Earl's hey, positive. Can, right? can we can we address this in all in all seriousness? Um, you know, uh, you know, Earl. The, the conversation about Earl and a lot of people kind of jumping in here, and other people. Another, there's been a lot of people texting in over the last few minutes about Earl's comments and you know dumping on Earl the pearl, going after low hanging fruit. Unfortunately, don't like listening to comedy right now. Um, talk about what matters to all fans, whether you agree or not. Earl has a point to discuss. You know, I do feel That's like the Earl. Well, I, I would say this: like we ch- we chuckled over Earl's comments, and I think it seems to be a sticking point for a lot of fans listening this morning. And it almost feels like it's a microcosm of this market at times, right? Because you can say something. Hey, look, you know what? I I made the point here a few weeks ago about the whole thank you Jim notion that. You know, went viral, and a lot of people have kicked my ass over it, and I think we've had a lot of fun with it as well. But, you know, it's it's when someone wants to try to actually try to preach some positivity in this market at a time when nobody wants to hear it, you know, there is a negative flow in this fan base at times that is just a tidal wave and overwhelming at times. Right. And it's just and sometimes and, and you know what, there's there's some, but there is some good people out there, too. Earl's trying to find the positives. He got his ass kicked by walks and sat last night. We've kind of had some fun with it as well. Um, but I think it also speaks to just the divide in this market sometimes as well amongst the fan base where it's like, blow it up. You know, everything sucks. And then, you know, it's like, look at Jim Benning, for example. Right. You know, there are people that will sit there and point to the Louis Erickson's and the Brandon Sutter's and all the fails and the misses and the Jake Bertanen's and the Olio Levies and so on and so forth. And then there's others that would point, you know what, Pedersen Hughes, two of the best players to come along since probably Daniel Henriksen. Yeah. I mean, listen, the, the, the opinion is, is, is completely all over the place. The, hey, the one thing no one will ever argue, and we see it on our text line and, and we get the criticism and the, the Canucks get the love and the hate and all that stuff. Is, is there such complete passion for everything sports-wise in, in Vancouver? It is, it is so unique. And you hear Elliot talk about it and Ron McLean talks about it and Berkey would get in on it. It is unique to Canada. I mean, James, you, you grew up in Ottawa. I grew up in Edmonton. We've both been here 20-plus years. It's just different. I love it. I love it, but it's... We love where we live. We love going outside. We love mocking the rest of Canada when it's March, and we're going, you know what, i got to get the lawnmower in because I'm going to be cutting the grass in the next three or four weeks. Uh, and then we live and die with a hockey team that sometimes just gets us so riled up and other times you're so proud of. Um, I love all that. Uh, a lot of people climbing in, uh, you know, and, and you were wrong, and, uh, and of course you, you, they're proving your point. But Mike English, let us know. The Pittsburgh Penguins, the only pro sports team that the Penguins of all people, 
the success that they have had, they actually received $5 million from the U.S. government, COVID recovery. They're the only pro sports team to get that money. Hey, if you meet the grants and you meet that, apply for it. I think there's a lot of teams that have and will. I just have a tough time grouping in Western Hockey League teams, uh, BCHL teams, uh, small mom-and-pop shops, and uh, that's a tough one to get to. We'll see what they do. But one thing that I did say, hey, the Western Hockey League, if they're getting some kind of help in some form, kids are going to play, and credit to all those owners trying to get this thing done. What do we got? Oh, a whole bunch of BS. <laughs> no, you have no idea what we're going to do. You, got some, you, do, you do this segment five days a week, and you have no idea what we're talking about with PS. Come on, man. What do you got? No, I'm, I'm, I'm setting it up because we spent the last 45 minutes with BS. Really, it's been BS. It's P.S., including a wonderful text sent by J.J. Watt. We'll give you the details, 645, on the official home, <laughs> like it or not, of the Vancouver Canucks Sports at 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call B.S. You want answers. I want the truth. It's not B.S., just P.S., with Perry Solkowski. Uh, yeah, after a whole bunch of BS in the first hour of this show, here's some facts, a little PS. Always nice to get a text. Kyler Murray got one from J.J. Watt. It simply said, I'm here because of you. I got one from a buddy once like that, but he was in jail. J.J. Watt in Arizona, and he's pumped. There's a palpable energy in the Valley, and I can't wait to help grow that energy and make it even bigger. So I'm really looking forward to being here and it's just, it's a special place and I'm looking forward to doing special things here. He will wear number 99, which had been retired. Marshall Goldberg had worn that in the 30s and 40s with the Cardinals, but JJ Watt, after finding out someone reached out to the Goldberg family by watching TMZ, reached out, talked to the daughter and she said, yeah, wear 99. JJ Watt in Arizona, not a bad place to finish your career, James. I'll tell you what, uh, I, I, I like the move. I, I like that Cardinals team. I think you need Kyler Murray to stay healthy, and I think that's a big question when you're dealing with a smallish-type uh, quarterback. I'm a big Kyler Murray fan, but he kind of ran out of gas at the end of last season. But uh, this Cardinals team is poised to do some damage, I think, if they're a franchise quarterback and uh, can stay healthy this year. Big gun Murray when the season started wasn't so serious. The season came to an end with some of the decisions. P.S., Yesterday, we mentioned seven-year anniversary of Luongo being sapped by John Tortorella. Wonder if he's getting close to leaving Columbus. If that's all the juice we have as far as competing against that team, we will get killed tonight. I don't mind that speech to the Canucks every once in a while. Torts, though, getting the, uh, the hey, everything's good from Yarmo Kakalan, and he said, coach and staff has gotten us out of slumps before. They've done a great job in the past five or six years. They're the ones that are going to get us out of the jam. He said that Tuesday, Columbus gets a win last night. Maybe Torts is going to be okay. Does he make it till the end of the year? I would think so. I mean, are, are the? I, I would say this. Like, are the are the Jackets in a position to to win this year? No, probably not. And, and you look at where they are in the standings. Are, are they are they poised to make a big move? I just I, it's hard to imagine a lot of teams making moves like this behind the bench in a covid world right now. We've talked about it a lot. I mean the Habs obviously, they're run by beer money, man. I think they're doing okay, but for the most part, I can't see the Jackets making a move. I think for the first time though, Torts is on the clock. PS debate, 
good and bad with Twitter, but it can be nostalgic. Soldier boy, I been it. Oh. Why me crack it? Why me roll? Why me crack that soldier boy? That Superman that oh. Now why me crack that soldier? Now why me you? Oh, Seaball, this is so in your lane where Soldier Boy goes at it saying the rap game is faker than WWE and then Randy Orton came at him. Couple of guys from the 2000s battling it out saying, how dare you call it? Come into my world. Man, I just know you absolutely love this. Soldier Boy and Randy Orton, that's what you live for. It's like pay-per-view. Well, you know, I, I would think the Mr. RKO could use a dance partner at WrestleMania, I would think. But uh, he took issue with basically, man, Randy Orton kind of old school is a throwback, right? The, the old fighting words, wrestling is fake. Right? I think we know it's a work now, but my, my, my ex-wife's uh, dad used to deliver papers to Gene Kaniski. And way back in the 60s when he was the world champion, and if you ever made a joke about wrestling being fake to Gene Kinesi, he chased kids down the street like threatening to kick their ass, right? I mean, that was that was fighting words. I guess Randy yeah. Orton kind of took issue and, and kind of kicked Soldier Boy's ass uh, on social media the last few days. PK Subban, by the way, pair World Juniors 2008, the first year that PK was on the World Junior team. Every time Canada won in the room. PK would do the Soldier Boy dance, that Superman dance. Yeah. And he would do that for the teammates. Now, PK was kind of the seventh defenseman with that team to kind of, he was kind of uh, the good in the room kind of guy the first year and then became, a, you know, a team leader the following year. But PK was known to do the Soldier Boy dance for the team and got the guys all fired up. A team that had uh, Luke Shen, John Tavares, Steven Stamkos, Claude Giroux, and uh, your boy Kyle Turris. They had some guys who can play. That is uh -huh. not BS. That's PS on this Wednesday morning. Man, a lot of people fired up this morning on the Dunbar Lumber text line. We'll uh, we'll check on that. We'll also be joined by Ed Jovanoski, former Canuck, and uh, he'll weigh in with his thoughts of where the Canucks uh, currently sit right now. Lots still ahead. Hour number one in the books. Two more to go, people. And it's only Wednesday here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. <laughs> Let's get it going. It's time to get up. Top of the circle, then gets it to the corner for Shifley. Backhand pass in front for Stasny. Robbed by Holtby, and then he sent the second chance wide of the net. It comes back in front, and Stasny scores. Holtby was still down and out, but that is going to do it. As the Vancouver Canucks split their two-game set with the Winnipeg Jets. These guys are here to break it all down. We have to win games right now. We want to be in the playoffs. You know, we get a chance to kind of hang around a game 3-2 going into the third. We need to come out with at least a point today. And Jovanovski. Some people listen to music in the morning. I listen to you guys. This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. Two minutes after 7 o'clock here on this Wednesday morning. James Perry kicking it with you. Ed Jovanovski, the third member of the Ski Patrol team, will join us in just a couple of moments. Uh, Canucks fall again last night. Uh, the uh, hope, optimism to try to get on a run after that win on Monday night against the Jets quickly goes poof. Just like Kaiser Sose, he was gone. Um, Perry, let me ask you this. I, I've been... Um, I have been, uh, I don't want to say badgered, but I have been, um, you know, I have been reached out to on multiple occasions a lot uh, from one very loyal Canuck fan on social media, at King PA, who has, uh, has been on me about Bo Horvat. And 
he is convinced that Bo is not the guy. Uh, not the guy, right? Mm. Not the right guy to be the captain. Not the right guy as the second line center. And I've often felt that Bo would be a great center on uh, for a third line on a championship contender. Now, I would also say that I think he has shown me a lot more offensively than I ever expected um, over the last couple of years, where. Jim Benning once suggested that he thought that Bo was a 30-goal guy, and I remember the first time I heard that, I think I nearly fell off my chair. But Bo's shown me more offensive upside. But you look at the numbers here where Bo goes through some streaks, and I just wonder, are these streaks sustainable as your second-line center where he's got he's got one assist in the last 15 games, you know, one point in the last six Right, nine points in the last twenty games collectively. Is it fair to say? And we've talked about the leadership group and the core of this team. Is Bo Horvat the guy? Is that a fair question to be asked at this point? It's it's funny you you ask where he is. Where would he be if he's playing on the Jets? Like is he their third line center? I don't know. Shifley, Dubois. A hundred percent, he's the third. Hundred percent, he's the third line center. And and yeah. you wonder, okay, you know the way Adam Lowry's projected. I'll say this about Bo Horvat, and I think you want this with this entire group, and it's kind of been the question mark. We've seen it with Brock Besser. To me, Bo Horvat has gotten better each year. I think, like everything else, after what we saw in the bubble, you go, all right, Bo, uh, day in, day out, you will be that guy, and you know you will play with an effort that is unstoppable, and if they're stopping you, you're going into the penalty box. So I think more was expected of him. He showed something that was, you know, okay, my ceiling's even higher after the playoffs. So this guy's telling you that Bo is not the guy. He's he's clear-cut that Bo's not the guy. Mm-hmm. Yes. that's Yeah. Put it this way. I think with a lot, unfortunately, on this team, and it's where we are, I think the jury is still out. Bo Horvat is a very good hockey player, and you need Bo Horvat's around. I, I would keep Bo, Bo Horvat on my team. Um, but you need those around to get that much better. Your point of him still being a streaky player, unfortunately, is very valid. He's got to he's got to be better. Like you know, in fairness to Bo, he's playing with third line wingers right now, right? I, yeah. like, I like I like Niels Hoglander. I like Tanner Pearson, but you know, but but those guys are third line guys on on a legit team, and he needs he. But at the same time, like at some point, you got to produce, right? You need more out of your captain this year. I think it's as simple as that. Let's bring in Ed Jovanovski. 650-650, by the way, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Please weigh in with your thoughts. I mean, no one's hesitated this morning to weigh in with their thoughts. So uh, it's like a salty hump day here this morning on the on the starting lineup. But let's bring in the third member of the Ski Patrol here, Mr. Ed Jovanovski. You got a big golf uh, – you played yesterday, right? Uh, you played against the Spit and Chicklets guys, did you not? I did. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a nice a nice day. Um, I'll kind of wait till that comes out so you guys can see the result. I don't want to ruin it for okay. listeners that maybe pay attention to that sandbagger invitational, but uh, we had a good day. It was Jose Theodore and I versus uh, Biz and Wits. Um, it was a good match. You're the best player of that foursome, aren't you? <laughs> Like, no, just really day in, day out. If you got to play, if you're playing no, four w- rounds to win, you're really like a good. five-time club champ. Wits is, is good. good, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's he, he's really good. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Whitney's yeah, Ryan Whitney's uh, very good. Uh, can Jose? Uh, Biz isn't a player, but is what about Whitney or uh, what about Theodore? He, he's a good player. 
you know, we're, uh, you know, because we're neighbors, uh, we always, we're always teammates. And um, let's just say this, we're, uh, we're tough to beat. <laughs> uh, like let me ask you this. Out. You mentioned Theodore. We've been talking goaltending in the first hour. Did Travis Green get it wrong and not play Thatcher Demko in your mind? He gets the shadow, didn't work all that hard. Teams look to get on a roll, and he goes to Brayden Holpe, who struggles again. Uh, I mean, at some point, do you not have to coach desperately and go, you know what, Thatcher, go again. You've had some time off. We're playing you back-to-back. It's not the norm, but we're doing it. Right. I, I think so, and I, I think that's what you're you were seeing here in Florida. I think, you know, guys, you know, winning – he seems to kind of hold on to the net, and if their loss happens, you know they're they're rotating. So, yeah, I mean you're coming off a big win, played well. Um, you know sometimes coaches go their gut, and gut doesn't you know work out right. But you know in, in this situation here, I mean you want to uh, you know you want to get on some kind of roll, and 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 Vancouver's been really <clears throat> excuse me really inconsistent. And that's been kind of plaguing them is, is the inconsistency. You want to get on some kind of roll just to kind of get that feeling better. And, you know, you win one, lose one, win one, lose one. It just can't get into a rhythm. And if you think that, you know, your goaltender who just pitches shutout um, doesn't give you the best opportunity to win and you want to go to Holpe, who, like you said, has struggled, you know, that's on, on him. But, uh, you know, these coaches have their own kind of – reasons on why why they do things and you know they're not always right um but yeah you know at some point you got to let someone kind of hang on to the crease and if it's with one win it is what it is you know you you try to be the best team guy you can be um as as a teammate uh you know when you're playing but man whether you are a beer leaguer whether you were a minor hockey league player or whether you were a pro a bad goal is a bad goal guys mm-hmm. know like what does that what does that do to a team Eddie when when you see when when your goaltender gives one up that just you know and it's a tight game you know you're already struggling what's a tight, what's a bad goal do to a team well you you hit it there James when you're you're struggling right so you're already kind of you know you're struggling team and your wins are hard to come by. You're in a tight game and a bad goal goes in. You're like, Oh boy, here we go. Yeah. You know, you don't have the, the, the mentality of, you know, you have to, you know, kind of nip it and, and push forward. But I've been, I've been in those situations and it's hard because you feel like, you know, the next, you know, play is going to end up in your net. Now a winning team is going to find a way to listen, overcome that, kind of get right back at it and and push forward. But a lot of times it's like, oh boy, here we go again, and it deflates you a little bit, but it shouldn't because this is your job. You got to go and play hard, and um, you know, bad goal, good goal, whatever the case may be, uh, it turns out to be that Murphy's law who we talked about before. It's like every bad break ends up in your net, and you know, you just kind of put your head down and. And, and hope for it doesn't get worse. Ed Jovanoski joins us, completing the Ski Patrol, as he does every Wednesday. Solkowski, Sabalski, Jovanoski. Jovo, you've told us, and hey, it's your job to play. But, you know, you have said you've been on some teams when, all right, maybe the guy who doesn't have the hot hand is in goal. You're surprised. And before you even play, do you not as a player 
think sometimes, yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll make sure I'm in the lane for that one just to help him because he's lacking confidence. I mean, mentally, have you tweaked some things a little bit before you actually get on the ice? Well, I, you went, when there's a, when there in, in a situation that I I think I was alluding to at the time is is when you have your number one guy and and your backup goes in. Um, a guy that doesn't see a lot of action, yeah, you got to go that extra length, you know, to to maybe get in that lane or really block the shot. Or, or it seems like the guys play harder. I know back in the day when I played, it seemed like guys played harder when the backup was was in that because it's a guy that doesn't play a lot. You want to you you want to get the win for him. Um, but listen, I, I think the game's so competitive, and, and if you're not competing, you're going to get embarrassed. And and I think how that's how guys look at it. Whoever whoever's in that, I, I think in this situation here, Perry. I think this, you know, the team's in a lull. You just it's, and they're finding it very difficult to get out of it. And you know, you look at kind of moving ahead. Um, I don't know. You break it down into into five game or three game. You know, in two out of three, three out of five. It's a tough uphill battle now. You put yourself in a position where you're five points back, and I mean, you string off a few wins, you get back into it. But you know, it's going to come from the players, not going to come from anywhere else. Waiting for the waiting for a change to happen, you know, what's that going to do? I mean, you know, it's not always the coach or or the management in the situation. I think the players got to play and got to go out there and execute. Jova, one of the things I've kind of heard. Um... And look, it's been so hard to get a real read on the room this year because of everything being done virtually in the Zoom and, and understanding the, the get a better understanding of the the inner workings of of the room here for the Canucks and, and every NHL team for that matter. But there's a sense that there are some players that are very frustrated at how things played out, where you took two very popular guys in Jacob Markstrom and Chris Tanev, and you basically replace the money that was allocated for them with Nate Schmidt and Braden Holpe, right? And, you know, you could throw in Travis Hamanick as well into that, but it, it, my, my understanding is that there are a few people that seem to think that this has really kind of upset the apple cart, if you will, within the room. Does that play onto the players to kind of say, man, like you took two guys who've been here for a long time, been good soldiers, leaders within this team, and you chose not to reward these guys or pay these guys, but you've you know you've handed out these resources to other guys for what has essentially been an inferior product this year. I mean, does that can that have a that disrupting an effect that certainly seems to have a if you want to connect the dots, there seems to be some logic to this. It could it could be. Um... I mean, who's coming out saying that though? Does anyone have the kahunas to come out and no. say it? No, nobody's throw nobody's going right. publicly so, to rip I mean, management. Player, nobody's doing that with the ownership. Right. Yeah. But as a player you're going out and playing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not it's not uh Bo Horvat and Miller and Petey, it's not their money that, you know, is going allocating to someone else. Mm-hmm. I think their job is to go play whoever the management puts in and puts in. Obviously there was you know, a reason for why you're not bringing back, you know, Marky, obviously contract. I was in the same position in, in Vancouver. Yeah. I mean, I felt I gave everything I had and I wanted to stay in Vancouver. It just didn't happen that way. Um, 
they're popular players. Yes, I, I agree. You know, and, and you take them out of the lineup and, and move them elsewhere and you, and you replace them. Yeah. There could be some, you know, hard, hard feelings, but you bring in new guys. These are your new teammates. Yeah. You got to embrace them and welcome them and, 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 and help them go along and help them, you know, get to where they need to be. So a team collectively can be better. You know, I, and, I think that sits sour for a very brief time. And it might, yeah, I was going to say, get over it. Right, get over it. And, and like, listen, we're not 15, 16, 17 years old. These are grown men. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you've, you've developed friendships over that. I've lost a lot of great teammates and trades, and, and life goes on. It's a business on, on, the, on the management side, and management feels that these were the, you know, the moves that were – we're going to make and, you know, but the team is, you know, seven, eight games over 500. Yeah. They're great moves. Wow. What a great, you know, so because things have kind of gone sideways, everyone wants to point fingers on, on, you know, personnel changes that, that possibly could affect it kind of the outcome of what's happening right now. Well, they're not doing backflips in Calgary yet either, but Eddie, I would say this, I think it's a human, it's human nature to react and be disappointed. But at some point, you go, okay, maybe I'll mope for a game or two. But you have to be over it. And I would say this, and you can answer it. You have been through it for your entire career where likely, you know, you said goodbye to some people in in May, and you knew they weren't going to be back. But if they were friends, they still remain your friends. Does it take some experience to get through that business part of it where you say goodbye to guys that you've been working with for four or five years? I mean, it, it can be. I, I never really looked at it like that, Perry. I, I think yeah, I understand Vancouver's a young team and these guys grew together, so it's like losing your brother. You know, it, it could have a little bit more effect, but um, it is what it is. You're right. It's a business. You know, guys are kind of moving. Everyone's tradable. You're, you're going you're gonna to lose friends, but, you know, you have a cell phone, text message, FaceTime. You're always going to be able to keep in touch with these guys. You know, the the uh, the thing that I look at, too, is, no one feels sorry for you, you know, in these, in these situations. I mean, you, you win, it's, it's a result driven business. You want to, you want to win games and whatever excuses are coming, no one, no one cares. Cause the other side is, is, is trying to get better and, and win games. So, you know, I think uh, kind of putting your head down and putting the work boots on hard hats on, like you hear all the time and, and go to work and, and find a way to collectively get out of this kind of, you know, holy they're in right now. Uh, nice to catch up with you. Um, can you at least tell us this? Uh, you didn't embarrass yourself in the uh, sandbag challenge. Uh, no, I, I, I didn't. I can tell you one thing. I did shoot one under on the front. Okay, that works. All right, it's a little okay. teaser. All right, well, that works. Now, does anybody ever chirp? Uh, I mean, if Jose Theodore is your next-door neighbor... In, in, in all fairness, like, hey, look, there's a former Hart Trophy winner, so, I mean, that guy's certainly had a, had a great NHL career, but does he ever get chirped for getting caught for performance enhancers for hair treatment? <laughs> oh, gosh, I forgot about that. Oh, <laughs> Do you yeah, remember that, Eddie? Show, right? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Something about Theo and his hair, man. Like, he was like, <laughs> listen, everyone in my family, you know, is thinned out. So, he, you know, Jose's got a great head of hair, you know, with the flow you know, going, yeah, something. but who would have thought like a Propecia, it's a, what, what was it kind of classified as a blocker? 
Uh, oh, was it? Yeah, Former was it like it calm? It calmed you down or right. something? It, 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 no, it blocked. Like you couldn't detect if you were taking performance enhancing because something in Propecia or whatever he it's was like a masking agent was kind of blocking yeah. something. That's a That's great a guy. Trip, what a great, yeah, great head yeah, of hair. I, I know, I, I know Jose, and, and and looking at him, and he definitely wasn't taking performance enhancing drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, nice man. to catch up, man. You take care over there. We'll uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks. All man. right, guys. Big cl- uh, uh, member again. Oh, did we lose we that either. Him. I think he. I heard him say member guest. So if people don't know, uh, Eddie's like a four-time club champion in Florida. The guy can flat out play golf. Um, so I think he was going to tell us he's probably going after. That's that's where he takes all his energy, right? That's his athletic joy now. So. <laughs> Let's Great get uh, the Propecia, man. <laughs> Jeez, about that. Let's get Sonia Aslam from News 1130 from just down the hall who joins us here uh, bright and early this morning. Salty Sonia, you got a Canucks and a song that you want to play for us too, don't oh. you? Yeah, I chose uh, Numb by Linkin Park because I'm so numb to this, you know, consistent inconsistency that this team has become. Let's hit the music. So you've hit, you've hit apathy levels here now. You've reached you know, apathy. I really felt that. Just I really felt that in my bones. The way that, that angst came out. Yeah, yeah. I'm just. It's. It's so. I'm so annoyed. How is everyone not annoyed? Oh, they're annoyed. <laughs> oh, trust me. Yeah, yeah. And we should be. It's. It's. And I'm. I'm using a nice word when I say annoyed. It's like. When when you go into every game expecting them to lose, man, we have major issues with this team right now. And I'm really tired of hearing, like, we really got to put in more effort. We really got to do this. Yeah, so then do it. Do they're it. Just not, they're just not good enough. No, like, I just, oh, And then JT Miller last night, like, you know, we really need to pull it together. You know, we're not in the playoffs right now. Yeah, so did you want to show up to a game, Mr. Also Inconsistent? I'm just, I'm not feeling it. I'm very angry. I'm really tired of losing. I hear you. Take a breath. Take a breath. <laughs> uh, hey, what can you tell us about seniors and visits and COVID? Did we get some news in the last 24 towards that? Yeah, uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry is saying that they're hoping that this month they will sort of ease restrictions for visitors to go to long-term care to see their loved ones. But again, with anything she says right now, it really is dependent on what happens. But the goal is by this month that more than just one person is, is allowed to go. Right now, the rules are... One person is a designated visitor and you can't go in and you have to follow all these rules and you have to wear a mask and get tested and blah, blah, blah. It's it's a lot because we, given what's happened in long-term care homes in this province and frankly, right across the country, they've been a hotbed for this virus. Now, the upside is since a lot of them, uh, both staff and residents have been vaccinated, we haven't had cases. So Dr. Bonnie Henry's point is that shows how effective getting the vaccine is, is we've seen either no cases or very minimal cases in just the last few weeks. So the goal is, yeah, by the end of this month, more than one person can go. So she's getting some backing for this uh, stretch it out, right? Uh, You're due for your second shot in 2024. Yeah, this call... Just wait six years. No, so yeah, everyone's getting all uppity about this. So Dr. Bonnie Henry said that between dose one and dose two, you can wait up to four months. 
And everyone, oh, well, I don't know about that. It's like, well, she's a doctor, and we've looked at the data in this province. So there is a national group that's expected to back her. Dr. Teresa Tam, who's the country's top doctor, was like, eh, I don't know about that. So there is some conflict right now between provinces and between the top doctor, but DBH is standing by it. She's saying you can wait up to four months, and the vaccine will still be effective. And the goal with that, the point of that, is that you know, we can wait until there's enough vaccine for everyone to get their first shot. You can, you have a lag time and then you can get your second shot. I almost said jab, but I held back. <laughs> uh, jab too. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. Um, a, a study that we're spending more time together at home with our significant other, which means, well, maybe there'll be a lot more kids coming our way shortly. True or false? It was true in the first year. Now that we've entered the second year, not so much. Yeah. National <laughs> study. One of the authors is a UBC prof and, She's saying that more people are, um, you know, really staying away from each other <laughs> in more ways than one. Yeah, they're not having as much sex with their partners. They're tired of being at home with each other. They're sick of the other person. So they're sort of um, taking a more hands on approach and taking care of it, t- taking care of it themselves. In many like times. The old, the, the old Seinfeld episode, uh, the King of the Castle. Master of my domain. Master of my own domain. Uh. So, yeah, people are just tired of, you know. I'm out! Yeah, just I'm living out. with each other. I'm out. I'm out. That's the money. Elaine Marie Bennis Kennedy Jr. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I, I don't know. Good. Like, I think the other tricky part is if, if you've got kids, like the kids are always around too this year. The kids right? are around and you're just not into it. You just, you're so yeah, tired. I don't, of I don't know. I don't know. Hey, look, I think it's subjective. I think it's case by case for the house. But I think in, in some in some instances, like the kids are around all uh, the, the time. time. Come on. Absence Total makes m- the heart grow fonder. And if you're around all the time. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, like what, what we oh, saw. Oh, you're home again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you never left. Yeah, I think what we heard from some people who took part in the study was that I'm just tired of you. Like, I have no I have no interest. This isn't me talking, let's be clear. This is people okay. saying I have no interest because, I yeah, I see you all the time. Like, yeah. all the time. So I don't want to. I'll just, you know, go handle it myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just so. tired of you. That was my wedding vows, and it's worked. You know, but I think we all kind of agreed or saw at this coming from a year ago going, there's probably going to be a lot of very busy divorce lawyers when this is all said and done. Yeah, with, right? January was a major nice. spike in BC, and that spike yeah. has bled into February, and we don't have yeah. uh, dog, stats yet. Do- dog breeders have done well during this pandemic. <laughs> Obviously, yes. realtors have done well over this pandemic. I think booze suppliers have done well, and I think uh, the, the after effects, uh, yes, I think divorce lawyers will probably do all right too. what did they say the acronym for covid was because of virus i'm divorced oh look at you <laughs> creative creative good work perry thank you yeah thank you thanks aslam thanks boys take care there she is Sonia Aslam from news 11 30 just down the hall people aren't getting busy you know it's always doom and gloom with newsrooms right yeah <laughs> exactly you know here's something i want to talk about no one's hooking up anymore but yeah speak speak Listen. for yourself speak for yourself well, there you go. Maybe we can follow Texas lead. No mask. Everything's everything's back to normal in Texas. People in the stands in Pittsburgh watching the hockey games. Uh, twenty. Oh, yeah. I mean, twenty five hundred in Pittsburgh, right? So it's not well, like it's people. Yeah, no, it's people. Yeah, yeah. Come it's on. Not like it was a crazy. It's not like it's a, a, a shocking, obnoxious number. Right? No. All right. Twenty seven minutes. The hockey, yeah. Yes.
Yes. Uh, okay, we'll continue the conversation in a moment. 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line. And speaking of Dunbar Lumber, Stanley Cup champion Mr. Fixit, Ken Priestley, joins us next here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. It's time for Mr. Fixit, brought to you by Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. Now, here's Ken Priestley. All right, 7.32. Oh, my God. Jeff from Mission on the Dunbar Lumber text line. <laughs> Congratulations, Jeff. <laughs> I'm assuming Jeff's not a contractor, but uh, as he kind of alluded to, I'll try to keep this PG-13. I realize this isn't safe for the air, but since COVID started, the wife and I have been better than ever. Good for you. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, Island Lover also say, saying the same thing. Uh, you know, all this talk of like Aslam sharing the people tired of each other being at home all the time. But uh, Island Lover saying the same thing. I'd rather be with my wife than 98% of the people in the world. Ken Priestley, Mr. Fixit from Dunbar Lumber, Stanley Cup champion. I'm assuming you don't get tired of your way better half, Darcy. No way. No way. Not a chance. <laughs> At least you're not no, admitting she, it on the radio, anyway. I'm right? not admitting anything on the radio, but uh, <laughs> no. no, no, she's a, she's a great woman, and uh, I would much, uh, I would be way less off if I wasn't with her. See, Perry? man, when we when, when we titled this segment "Mr. Fix It," we really nailed it for this year because there's a lot there's a I lot of work to do. I can't man. believe what we talk about now. Like it just it's. It's incredible what comes out uh, in the news and, and, and what people talk about. It's, un, it's, it's unreal. I, it's, it's totally different. <laughs> what, do you, uh, what do you make of what you witnessed in the last 48 hours in Winnipeg? You know what? I, I, I was really impressed with the first game, like everybody. I mean, it was no, there was no doubt that I think that that was their most complete, most committed uh, performance from the goaltender all the way out and every single player. Uh, of the year. There's no question. It was a great game to watch. I thought the second game, the first period I thought was really, really good. And that shift that PD and, uh, and Miller and Besser had uh, right before the second goal went in, it was a great, like they were dominating. They were just, Winnipeg was standing still. I mean, it was everything that they could do, but put the puck in the net. And then you see it kind of break out and you look at the clock and there's 10 seconds and then there's five seconds and then Sutter kind of mishandles the puck at the blue line. And, and then you get a backhand goal that goes in with two seconds left. And like every coach has ever told me, you want to make sure you look after the first minute and the last minute of every period. And um, it took a little bit of momentum, but there's still a lot of hockey left. And, um, you know, I, I, I want to sort of figure out how, they couldn't come back from that. I mean, it's 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 hockey, and I and I I agree. They were they tried. They just couldn't get that that next break. You know, three two at the, the power play goal was a great goal. I changed it up last last night too with different people in different positions. Uh, great shot by Miller. Um, just couldn't get it done at the end. That's the uh, you know this team. I mean, my goodness, how many times over the course of this season have we seen those back-breaking late-period goals, right? I mean, yeah. honestly, at least once a week they seem to give one up. There's a lot of guys getting chances too, right? There's, Is that a lack some... of focus, Ken? What's that? 
late period goals like conceding like that? I, like is that a lack well, of focus? I think I think it's ti- I think they get maybe they get tired, right? I think maybe that like it's everybody, every team in the NHL goes through this. Like you, every coach makes sure you take care of yourself here at the last minute and the first minute. Like you get it in, you get it out, all that kind of. It's all the same talk. Um, it, it 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 could have been a, you know, it was just one of those things. I mean, I think the puck was not necessarily sitting down flat i mean sutter had a chance he was you could see what he was trying to do he was trying to reach for it and get it over i mean it was it was whatever you say it was a it was a bad goal with two seconds left it wasn't sutter's fault you know like what do you do right it's just um it just seems like if something's going to go wrong and something's going to take momentum away it's going to take it from the canucks at this particular time and um it's 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 a hard battle i mean joe said it there it's a it's a hard battle at the moment you you're when you're going good, a goal against doesn't matter because you know you're coming back or you're going to get another one to tie it, whatever it is. But when you're when things are not going your way, things like that, a goal with two seconds left in the period where I think they played a really good period, again, in, a, in, a, in an, a, an away arena, uh, they played good enough to come out of there with a, with a tie, definitely. Probably, in my case, I thought they should have been the lead after the first period. Um, being behind is a, is a little bit of a deflator, but um, you know what? They're, they're, they're paid professionals and, and being behind two one shouldn't make a huge difference uh, in effort wise. And um, I just, they had a tough time yesterday from secondary scoring again, which is what everything, everything is sort of the talk about it is who's going to score other than the top three. And um, in certain games, we get it in certain games. You don't. Ken, I, here's what I wrestle with. You know, is the term shooting yourself in the foot, which we've heard so often this year, I mean, is, is that an acronym for the team's not good enough? I mean, is that an excuse? Are we going to look back at this shortened season and go, oh, yeah, that's the year the Canucks shot themselves in the foot? I think it's, you know, that's the year they weren't good enough to come back when they made mistakes. I, I, I still think the team is very good. I, I, I really do. And I'm, I'm, I may be going against a lot of other people's thoughts but i still think the team is 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 a good enough team to compete i mean there's there's um there's everything here in this team that that either other teams have had and we've put in the mix or the young guys that we've got up i mean we're we the canucks are a very good hockey team they just for some reason this year it's not that they're making bad mistakes i mean they do make mistakes and they're and they're and sometimes they're they look like they're not trying but uh believe you me they're trying there's no question it's just that for some reason it's just not it's just not falling their way and um i i mean you i thought brock's game yesterday uh effort wise and just pure compete wise was outstanding yeah i thought his the, the vision that he had uh, to look for Pedersen for the first goal. I don't think you necessarily see that from him last year, right? He, he's, his game has gone to the next level. He's working hard. I think even Miller's coming out of this. Uh, he's working hard. I mean, he's, the goal that he got shows you that, that, that he's got this, this talent, this goal scoring ability, this, this, this talent that not everybody has. He's a goal scorer and he's slowly going to come out of this, but uh, it's just, it's just a funny situation that that they're in that everything that goes can go wrong will go wrong and um they again the only thing that gets you out of that is just working harder and uh i know they're doing it you can see they're doing it they're, they're getting better and better it's just that some of these things are 
mistakes are shooting them in the foot for sure. Well, and there was a, there was a confidence about this team last year that you even felt it as as an observer with this team. And it, you know, if you were a Canucks fan last year, you could feel like this team had a way a resiliency about them last year that could get back into games when they were down and try to find a way to come back and pull one out of the fire. They just don't have the ability to do that this well, year. And and then you see like man, like you know, Holby gives up, you know, when you're chasing the game, you're already spending a lot of energy. But Ken, I mean, you played, man, you know what it's like. A bad goal is a bad goal. Like that sucks the life out of you, especially when you're struggling. Well, no question. I mean, to go back to the first game when it was three nothing, I think there was at the five minute mark of the or I think it was five minutes left in the third period. Winnipeg had uh, I forgot whose line it was hemmed in pretty good and it was in there for in their zone for a good minute and a half right and that's the time where you watch the game and you go if they get one here and make it 3-1 look out for this finish because uh, you know that's that's the break that Winnipeg needs five minutes left get one get two and then and then you know pull the goalie and see if you can get the third they've managed to get through that shift even though it was a long shift in your own zone it was kind of a, not a misplay by uh by anybody on vancouver but i think it was shifley that that had the wide open shot that he just sort of buried it at demko's chest and they got out of that shift you get out of that shift without a goal getting scored against you everybody kind of breathes you get a fresh legs out there you win a draw you get it out now all of a sudden the five minutes become very quick whereas if you get that if shifley scores that goal with five minutes left now all of a sudden that five minutes becomes 20 minutes it feels like 20 minutes it feels like it's never going to end whereas that's how they finished that game they 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 figured out a way to get through that shift they won a couple of draws they got it in they did a couple of four checks and the game's over it didn't happen that way in the second and i still think if that that team that played in the four nothing win a couple of nights ago that's the team if they can commit and everybody can commit to defense, offense, playing with the lead, uh, doing the right things, making the right decisions. That's the team that the Canucks are, not the team that we're having, you know, every second game here um, with some bad luck. You're an optimist. I love it. I, you know what? Honestly, I, 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 I listen to this all the time. And then, like we say, we're in a different situation here where the Canucks are the only thing to watch. So they're getting scrutinized and dissected and ripped apart and it's hard it's definitely really hard but uh i do think that this team is uh definitely better than it's showing and um hopefully they get it done before the end of the year but uh if they don't uh there's still a there's still a good mix here for sure thanks kenny you're welcome guys take it back to work thanks ken be nice to your wife you too (laughs) (laughs) thank you yes definitely i know where my bread is buttered uh ken Priestley, mr fix it from dunbar lumber visit dunbar lumber on bridge street in ladner or peter street in vancouver or check them out online at dunbarlumber.com canucks back at it uh on thursday night tomorrow against the toronto maple leafs the best team in the north uh leafs been a little banged up maybe there's an opportunity to try to turn things around but uh you look at how things have kind of fared with the leafs and the canucks head-to-head this season uh it doesn't look good and you know what we just saw a 10-game window here pair that i think we felt that hey look if the canucks were going to do something um this was the make or break stretch of the schedule and you know they they failed you know they, they failed in this sort of quest to try to gain some ground against teams that they were jostling with the division Winnipeg's a good team. Mark my words, by the time that this season is over, 
I think Winnipeg will have second spot locked up in this division. Uh, no, I, I agree. You can't take anything away from them. You know, Ken, Ken glossing how good the Canucks were on Monday. They were, but was that because the effort from a Jets perspective wasn't what they wanted? And, you know, afterwards we always are dissecting everything said from a Canucks perspective, but Paul Maurice, the Jets coach, said, that's more like it. I mean, that's how it was going to be. Everybody was going to drive the net. We were going to create some traffic. There's always two teams on the ice, and you we sit and focus on what the Canucks did wrong. Uh, they played well on Monday, and then the Jets found that other level, that desperate level. But to think that the Canucks um, are going to find some kind of a long streak, which they need, it just becomes tougher and tougher because the team, just how you lose it, that quickly um, in a 24-hour period, and it was a little bit of desperation. We kind of pointed out, wrong goalie and goal as far as I'm concerned. Keep it going. Try and find the momentum. They've lost it. Now you see if they can pick it up against the one team that's been consistent in the North Division in the Leafs. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, a lot of people jumping in, uh, weighing in with their thoughts on Bo Horvat uh, earlier this hour um, in our conversation with Ed Jovanovski. We'll get to some of those. Your Canucks commute coming up at the top of the clock as well with uh, Corey Hirsch will join the conversation. Uh, it's all happening uh, at 745 here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. Jim and Ladner. What's this? Man. A frozen or something? Nah, he still believes, man. He's still, he's kind of like Earl from Mission last night, who's been a lightning rod for conversation here over the last 12 hours on Sportsnet 650. And, uh, you know, try to find some optimism and people uh, people rip it on Ken Priestley. You know, Ken is officially part of the Sportsnet 650 team when people start <laughs> chirping Ken on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. So um, there you go. Ken's Ken. got to go Patrick Watt to Jeremy Roenick. I can't hear you. I have two cup rings in my ear. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he say. I can't hear him. I've got two cup rings in my ears. Hey, just um, uh, on, a, on a side note uh, here, Pear, just some breaking news uh, from the news world. Um, but uh, Alec Manassian has been found guilty of uh, 10 counts of first-degree murder and 16 counts of attempted murder for, remember going back uh, a couple of years ago for the Toronto van attack. Yeah. Um, his autism spectrum disorder didn't impair his ability to understand that his actions were morally wrong. So that's all coming up on almost three years now, on April 23rd, 2018. But that... Toronto van attack, uh, guilty. Uh, 10 counts of first-degree murder and 16 counts of attempted murder. So that coming down just in the last couple of minutes this morning. Just right now, yeah. Um, another news, too. It, you know, it's funny we see, we've seen it with betting and all that stuff, but the Pittsburgh Penguins just announcing they are the first pro sports team associated with TikTok now. So there you go. You know, things changing all over the place as to what team. Beyond are, just having a TikTok account? Into. Yes, they're, uh, they've made an association. I've just lost it here. But they become the first team to partner up with TikTok. So they'll, they'll do what that will be, how they turn it into. But it just kind of shows. And maybe that's the one thing with this pandemic is pro sports teams that used to be open up the, here it is, here's the doors, here's the tickets, come on in. Uh, a lot of them have figured out how can we get to it. We haven't seen so much with the athletes, but how can we get to our fans and be more with fans? You know, the Canucks put their Twitter accounts up. You can now see the post-game comments. And, and of course, everybody comes on and says every question asked by the media is wrong. 
but it's amazing how much it's changed and how they continue to reach out to go, how do we get in touch with them when they can't come in their building? I don't think that's a bad thing in any sense. Uh, 650, 650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, a lot of people talking about uh, Bo Horvat in our conversation from earlier this morning uh, and, and people very mixed here. Uh, John John. Uh, or uh, give Bo some wingers, see what happens. Uh, this team's depth and mismanagement is a complete joke uh, to go along with an owner that seems to have been duped. Um, why not move Bo up uh, to left wing on line one and then uh, put Miller on line two uh, to center uh, that line. Miller will get more out of the third line wingers than Bo will. So there's a suggestion there. That's an intriguing just to try to shuffle it up, maybe go in a different direction uh, on that. And then uh, in defense, ragging on Horvat shows how little you know about hockey. Pathetic. But you got your reaction, though. That's Marcus from the Ridge. It doesn't matter what you do. Take your whiteboard, put what you can, players with players. There's just not enough good ones. And and listen, Tanner Pearson, good on him. But Tanner Pearson in, Tanner Pearson in a good team is not a top six guy. Bo Horvat has just played. Go, who's on my right? Who's on my left? I'll go with anyone. You know, for the first month to have Hoagland is going, okay, there's a guy who's probably as creative as it's been with Bo. Ever since he had Brock Besser and then they moved to make the team deeper, Bo's kind of been that guy saddled with too many different guys because it hasn't been there. So uh, I, I know what you're saying with Bo Horvat, but Bo Horvat, what he has done is continually improve with this hockey team. I've got no problem with, with him wearing the C and leading this team. I, uh, I'm not a big fan of Tanner Pissing either. Well, you know what? That was a Freudian <laughs> slip, but did you see how I, you know, last night was the He's last night. He's pissing everybody said, you know off, what, too. <laughs> well, last night, I've, I've been a supporter, but last night to me, when this team struggles, man, the warts really show. And yeah. you just go, nah, you know what? Shouldn't be in a top six role. Let him grind it out on the third and fourth line. If you're good, that's where he fits. Uh, Indian Rocket, uh, I don't think we can truly judge Bo until he's playing with two legit wingers, not Tanner and a rookie, but I would deal Bo for Eichel. Um, another one here, uh, Mike and Maple Ridge guys, 100% uh, with what you're saying. Bo Horvat is, to me, not captain enough material. He's a good third-line center, but you guys with more emotion on and off the ice, someone who can fire up the guys in the room and on the ice as well as change the outcome of a game. Bo Horvat is not that guy. So there's Mike and Maple Ridge uh, winging in on that thought. So, who's not getting sliced today? I mean, my goodness, <laughs> Patterson. <laughs> Patterson, Patterson. He could put on some weight, though. Still too easy to knock off the puck. But don't ask him that question because he gets mad at you. Well, let's keep the good times rolling. Uh, the Canucks commute coming up next. Sportsnet 650 hockey analyst Corey Hirsch will join the discussion as well. 650, 650. What's your Canucks in a song? What song best sums up the Canucks' performance last night? We'll share our submissions. We want to hear you hit the music. It's all ahead. Hour number three just around the corner next. You're on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. <laughs> They're not coffee drinkers, but they still keep it right in the mornings. Let's talk about a positive. When they were doing playing against Edmonton, I saw I saw a, a power killing line, which looked like the best four penalty killers on any team in the NHL. Come so why on, would you get rid of? Are you serious? Are you not watching what I what I've been I, watching? I, I, when, I, when, apparently, when apparently not, man. The Canuck commute on the starting lineup. It's hour number three of the starting lineup, a presentation of our good friends over at Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda, located at 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. James Sobalski, Perry Solkowski kicking it with you. Uh, Canucks, uh, you know, win one, they lose one. And, man, it's, it is a um, 
it's uh I don't know if people are tired this week or people just kind of fed up, but um, all that goodwill that the Canucks may have bought themselves on a Monday night had quickly evaporated. It's it's been a salty group of listeners here. Our our community's been a little uh, testy this morning here, Pear. Maybe it's just yeah. us. <laughs> I no, honestly, I think it's just a reflection that everybody it's just kind of boiled over what we've been through for, you know, we're, we're coming upon the year anniversary for a lot of people that have left the offices and worked from home and, you're, you know, summer's coming and you're wondering. And, you know, as Ken Priest was saying, Canucks have been everything for us, right? Someone texts in, how about the Whitecaps? Well, I, you know, Whitecaps aren't even playing here. It's all about the Vancouver Canucks in this city. And Monday was a great start to the week, but I don't think too many people believed in it. And honestly, if you walk back and say you got a split from Winnipeg, you kind of would think that's not bad. But because of the start they had, and we're still not halfway through, it's tough to see the optimism. And it just seems like last night it started with Earl and everybody texting this morning. They're not pleased with the hockey team. The expectations were higher and deservedly so. They need to play with more desperation. I'm going to throw it on Travis Green. you got to coach a little desperately. You've got a groove and a goalie. He wins on Monday. He's not tired. Play him again. You don't do that. I think that's the wrong call. And we saw 60 minutes in full, so here they are. Come home with two points. You need it four and make bad leaves. Who play tonight? Maybe that's a break for the Canucks. You got them for a couple here. You know, you look at Carey Price, who's gone off a cliff this season, right, and then struggles that he had had to start this year. And I think some people were surprised that Price got the start last night in Montreal. That gamble paid off. Right, that gamble paid off for Dominic Ducharme yeah. as the Habs kind of stopped the bleeding, and and Price looked great last night. They beat the Sens three one. Holtby's a former Vesna Trophy winner, right? He's he's a Stanley Cup winner. He's a guy who's thirty one years old, and yeah, I get his numbers have been off the last couple of years. I'll say this. I was wrong about Braden Holpe signing here. I thought he would have been a nice stopgap. I thought he would have been a nice, solid presence here in goal, find his game again working with Ian Clark. It hasn't happened, Pear. That's on me. But I didn't I, I didn't think it was that egregious a call to go with Braden Holpe last night. Like, that's – you signed him for a reason. You want to see if he can come up with a big game. He understands what's at stake. He understands the urgency. He just hasn't been good enough, right? He hasn't been good enough. But I didn't. I, I for people that are outraged that it was a bad call to go Demko on a back-to-back. This is why you signed Braden Holpe, man. Yeah, but man, you signed him in the off-season to go. This is a nice safety net. If indeed Thatcher Demko can't take the number one uh, spot and run with it, the guy just had his first shutout in the NHL in the regular season. He played back-to-back games in the playoffs against Las Vegas. One of them, forty-plus saves. Do you think he wasn't tired then? You had to play him. You had no options. The season was on the line. You have to coach desperately and go, hey, man, nice job, Thatcher. Everyone played well in front of you. You're good to go again. If he's not got some kind of a tweak, you play him again because you're desperate and you need to see if you can take four points out of four from Winnipeg. Dude, you're and playing go, 13 well, games in 24 nights. Like big you're going deal. To need you both need to get out of it. No, it is a big deal because you're going to need both goaltenders. You're going to need exactly. both goaltenders. Yeah. So, so you so go so to you're screaming up, So let's burn out Thatcher Demko two days into a 24-day oh stretch. Come on, man. Burning him out. He just had three days off. You've got Braden Holpe to go, okay, Braden, you got the first one against Toronto. We hope you found your form. But why do you have him go looking for his form when you've got Thatcher Demko at his best? Play the odds. Don't play the old, hey, the guy's his save percentage has been in the 800s over the last three weeks. He's won once in his last eight games. Yeah, let's put him in. Thatcher feels good. He didn't travel anymore. We played our best game maybe arguably all year, but let's make the switch in goal. There was no need to do that last night. Hey, can, can we go back um, 
we played it at 6 o'clock this morning. Anybody who listened to the Canucks postgame show here on Sportsnet 650 last night, there was uh, the moment that stood out for everybody was when Earl from Mission called in. You know, we kind of just joked about it, uh, but but it has been a real lightning rod for conversation this morning, Pear, that people have defended Earl, and yep. some people have thought, you know, man, Earl, like, what the hell are you? Like, there has been two sides of this conversation. What the hell are you talking about? And then other people saying, man, like, let this guy make his point. And I, I feel like, you know, what Earl kind of said last night has kind of summed up a little bit about where this market and where this fan base is kind of at with respect to the Canucks. Corey Hirsch is going to join us here in a moment. If you missed it, here's Earl from Mission last night with Andrew Walker and Satyar Shaw. And, you know, feel free to chime in on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. You know what? We'll even open up the phones if you guys want to come up at the bottom of the hour at 604-280-0650. But you can decide for yourself, fair or foul, what Earl in Mission had to say here last night on the postgame show. We go to Earl in Mission, who has a bit of a bone to pick. Earl, thanks for calling in. What you got for us tonight? Yeah, well, I usually only phone in if you guys are, are saying things that are quite negative. And when you have a losing game, it's hard for you guys who are on the air not to be negative about, negative about the team. But, you know, if you if you guys have trouble talking about things, then go, go back to last night's game and talk about all the positives from last night. Because I, I don't like you guys bashing anybody. But here's you know, the thing. Well, but Earl, we, did, we did that last night, man. We did the post game show after the win last night, and it was a great post game. And, and you know what? And, it's, and if you want to hear it, man, if you want to hear it, it's online. You can just podcast it, and you can listen to the post games of the wins. Easy right. enough. So if if you have nothing good to say today, then go back and talk about yesterday. Again. But hey, no, 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 because Earl. You know Earl, I, 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 I love the GM. I love okay. the GM. Okay. I, I I I don't give say that he's been working for seven years. Or, or that he's had the team for seven years. We clearly know in 2014 that Lyndon was in charge of all hockey operations. So Benning has only had this team in his own helm for two years. And what he's done in the last two years is actually quite phenomenal. I am ecstatic about where this team is right now. Okay. And you they're, know what? They're, they, in 20, they they're in 28th right now. They got to lose some games just like Washington did for years and years. But they made the playoffs have... consistently, Earl. They don't need to make the playoffs this year. What do you mean you don't last... need to make the playoffs? How do you measure success? I mean, listen, our job, Earl, oh. isn't to wave pom-poms and sit here and say, you know what, the Canucks lost tonight, but they won last night. Let's go back and revisit the wins. Let's just throw bouquets. All we're going to do here is say positive things and ignore the negatives. That's not a way to do a job, Earl. Like you can't, you can't properly, you can't expect somebody to lie to fans and say, "Hey guys, don't worry about this season. Let's just wave our pom poms and let's celebrate and talk about how good this season is and how good last night was." Forget the fact you've only won ten games all season. Well, then let's talk about a positive. When they were doing playing against Edmonton, yeah, uh, but three games ago, I saw I saw a, a power killing line, which was Mayers, Edler, Sutter, and Beagle which looked like the best four penalty killers on any team in the NHL. Come so why on, would you Earl. get rid of Are you serious? Are you not watching what, I, what I've been I, watching? I, I, when, I, when, apparently not, man. This team's in, in 28. No, it, it just this, doesn't. This, this call has to die. Earl's call had to die. <laughs> <laughs> it just it fell out. It, it fell Goodbye, off. Earl. So there, uh, Earl in mission last night, uh, trying trying to echo some positive sentiments, and uh, that's okay. 
Yeah, no, and I mean, satin walks weren't having any of it, and and I think also kind of wanted to kind of point out, like, look, you know, when a team, you know, fair but firm when it comes to covering a team, right? When a team is struggling, they deserve to be kicked in the A double crooked letter, and when a team is positive, I think they certainly. Uh, you know, you know, pat on the back when it when it's deserved. But six fifty six fifty is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, love to hear from you. Uh, a lot of people this morning uh, when we played this at six o'clock. I mean, some people took issue suggesting it was bullying. Uh, you know, and I think sometimes you see that on social media with respect to somebody trying to say something nice, and then you know, there's you know, there, what is it? The the bitter bros, and then there's the betting bros, and hey, man, it's it's all part of like the thank you gym movement, pair. Well, hey, the one part of communicating, if you've done it, and we've done it for decades, is to try and listen. Um, you know, it used to be where an awful lot of people are coming in there, uh, you know, before text. Now they text rather than call. Earl came in. He wants to find a positive. That's good. Um, I don't mind that. But when the guys are talking about a post-game show, you're talking about that specific game. And as we've said, it's kind of funny that, you know, we went from everybody feeling good and maybe going, hey, just maybe there's a little bit of hope on Monday to it really seemed like it, it boiled over. So, um, but, you know, let the fans talk. If Earl wants to make his point, that's okay. Uh, the guys, I, I understand some of it thinking that they jumped on Earl. I would kind of lean on that, but their job is to let Earl speak and then go, hey, man, enjoy your Monday. If all you want to talk about it with those glory days, that's it. Our job is to talk about the facts. And on Thursday morning, or I guess Friday morning, we'll be talking about what happened to the Leafs, not going back to what happened in the last two days in Winnipeg. Let's bring in uh, Corey Hirsch, a presentation of Manifest Practical Counseling that helps guys get a grip on life's challenges, improve your level of function. See manifest.me to get started. Hershey, you were part of that post-game show last night. Uh, is it me or uh, any sort of positive and goodwill after that Monday win quickly died and died quickly? It uh, died a very quick death. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How's our connection? Is it good? I, I, I'm I'm uh, in my car. Right Sounds now, great. So. Sounds good. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. No, it. Um, yeah. No, it's not good. Not good. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I'm gonna be like sat. You know, I can't. I can't rose. I can't sugarcoat this. It's. Uh, it's not pretty out there right now. <laughs> and they got the leaps uh, coming in. Hershey, uh, how did it go so wrong in 24 hours? Or did they just play a Winnipeg team on Monday that wasn't into it? They played a Winnipeg team on Monday that wasn't into it. <laughs> now they scored early and they and they they played well. Like they played really really well. Winnipeg didn't play great on uh, on Monday. Um, I, I still think the Canucks, you know, at their best, are a competitive team and can win. But you know, when are you, how many times during a, the course of an eighty-two season is a team where you've got everyone on board and you're at your best? Maybe ten games at most. Yeah. Right, like, um, so when the Canucks are at their best and everybody's on board, they can compete and they can win. Uh, the problem is, is that you know now we got a fifty-six game season. You've got maybe ten of those a year, and then you know the rest of you're, you're winning on on talent, goaltending, or something other other than that. And I, I think that you know Winnipeg didn't play very well the other night, and uh, the Canucks in a back-to-back situation on the road in Winnipeg after Winnipeg lost, um, you know. It, they were ready. They were ready to. It's tough to win those games on the back-to-backs. So, uh, okay, goaltending. Uh, so it's easy to play hindsight twenty twenty. I, I didn't. You know, I was okay with that decision yesterday morning. Obviously, nope. it played out, and 
Uh, Thatcher De you know, a lot of people go, oh, yeah. you should have stuck with Thatcher Demko. Give me a sense from your standpoint as a guy who's been a goalie coach before. Um, you know, here's the thing. I, I didn't I didn't see a problem with it. I thought they should have played Demko. But in the course of the hockey game that I watched last night, that it didn't matter if you played Demko. Well, it wasn't going to matter. So the night before, I had the Jets down for 20 scoring chances. They had 12 in the third period. But they were in zone chances, which as a goalie, you can – you can uh, you can get set, and it's much easier for in-zone chances to save. Rush chances are where you get scored on. Three-on-twos, two-on-ones, breakaways. That's where you, rush chances are much harder to defend as a goalie. And the Jets had 24 last night, and I bet you two-thirds of them were rush chances. Uh, so it didn't matter. If you played Demko, I don't think it would have made a difference. Maybe he stands on his head and you win a game, but... Uh, I, I don't think it would have made a difference. I would have liked to have seen Demko. I think they should have started him. Would they have won the game? Nah, probably not. But, but Hershey, don't you think maybe mentally it changes the guys too? Like, the, I, I think to me, Travis Green's got a coach with a little more desperation. I know it's, hey, you got two goalies you believe, and one of them's been struggling for the last month. The other is the guy that you want to take this team for the next eight or nine years, and he's proven over the last month he can find a groove. He's just had a shutout. They would walk to the apartment in Winnipeg on Monday night feeling good. Why wouldn't you continue? I mean, you have played back-to-back -back games. Is it that exhausting that you can't go, hey, man, we need more than one win. Let's see if Demko can steal us one, and we make it two. Like, is, is it that tough to play? Would he have been tired? I don't understand the logic to sway away from what was your best performance on Monday. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know either, right? But... That's the thing. We don't know what's happening behind closed doors. We don't know if Demko's got a tweak somewhere and they just want to give him a rest. Like, we don't know that part, right? Like, so I can't say that he does, but maybe there is, right? So we don't know what happens behind closed doors to go into that decision. Um, if he is healthy, I, I think it was a mistake not playing him because when you're a goalie and, and you get shutouts in that, like we, it, it's almost like there's a little force field around you. Like weird stuff happens. You posts get hit. You'll be spun around. Something will hit you in the back. Like it's like, you know. And it's the opposite when nothing is hitting you, right? Where where you you you'll have when things aren't going well, and it'll be like you know, ping pong balls off everybody and in the net. But after a shutout, you know, it's like there's a little mini force field around you, and it's it's uh, there's an aura there that, uh, you know, just stuff will hit you. So I don't quite understand that decision either, but I don't know what's happened behind closed doors. I don't know if Demko had a tweak or if there was something other than this that went into that decision. Corey Hirsch here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, you know, the Leafs now roll in for a couple over the next two days, and then it's the Habs, and, you know, the Habs aren't certainly what they were back in January, but this is still a team that's had an awful lot of success against the Canucks. It, it, you know, the genuine sentiment for a lot of fans has just been, hey, you know what, get in front of it, sell now. I mean, it's still a buyer's market, but, I mean, do you start exploring things now? I mean, do you, do you start recognizing, like, do guys recognize the writings on the wall? Like, do they understand the math within the room, or they're not there yet as a team? Yeah, they understand it, but you always still believe, right? If you can't stop believing. Um, you always got to think that you're, 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 you can win and that you can somehow get back into the race until you're mathematically eliminated. As a player, you have to believe. Uh, but here's the thing. You know what? When, when you lose and you have a losing season, 
people lose their jobs and that's the scary part. So, you know, I, I think I've told this story before and I told it on air last night when Brian Burke took over the team in like 98 or something and we were terrible. We didn't make the playoffs. They had a year end dinner that we all went to and Brian Burke stood up at the year end dinner and he clinked the glasses. Everybody went quiet, listened and thought it was going to be some motivational speech. And Brian Burke says, I'm not going to lie. It was a horrible year. Most of you won't be back next year. And he went and sat down. <laughs> and he was right. Most of us weren't back the next year, including myself. So uh, that's what happens when you lose. Corey Hurst joining us. He's sponsored by Manifest Practical Counseling that helps guys get a grip on life's challenges, improve your level of function. See manifest.com the to get started uh hershey you've been consistent with one subject who has been kind of the polarizing this year surprisingly and that's jt miller who again you might be able to question a back check yesterday great with the one-timer but then afterwards it's the same old the effort has to be better the criticism continues to come is it fair on jt miller absolutely uh, his back check again the other night he doesn't pick up the guy that scores the goal that's his fault that's his man um and he stops skating when he enters the zone because he's looking for a turnover to go up dice the other way. Well, that's not thinking defense first. That's thinking offense first. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a turnover somehow here, and then I'm going to turn the puck the other way, and then we're going to go down the other end and get a chance to score. Ken Hitchcock used to say, you've got to play in the tough zone to get to the fun zone. And the tough zone was the defensive zone. And you've got to play there first before you get to the fun zone, which is the offensive zone. And J.T. Miller wants to play in the fun zone and just not do the work in the, in the tough zone. And again, not a great rebound by Holtby, but should have, been, should have been defended. He was there. All he had to do was start keep skating. He's fast enough to catch up to Appleton, and Appleton buries the rebound. So now you're down one nothing, um, and that's your best player. So I, there's, there's, you know, if I'm – Braden Holtby's already stared him down once. You don't just do that as a, as a goalie unless it's continually happening and you're PO'd. So, you know, um, this is a guy that's got to be better. Uh, Stefan Waite fired in Montreal, replaced by Sean Burke as the new director of goaltending. Um, I'm a huge Sean Burke fan. I got a lot of time for Sean Burke, and I got a lot of time for Carey Price. I'm still a Carey Price believer too. Give me a give me a sense of from one goalie uh, from one goalie's yeah. uh, coach to another goalie coach perspective. Uh, give me the method to the madness in this one here in Montreal. Will it work? Yeah, yeah. Berkey's a good friend of mine, really good friend of mine. Uh, I'm happy for him. Um, he was trying to get a GM job, uh, tough to do. Uh, Stefan Wade is a good goalie coach. Someone's going to scoop him up. But, you know, like anything, he's been there a long time. Sometimes it gets stale. The message gets stale, and Pricey wasn't playing very well. Uh, Sean Burke, uh, uh, my, my favorite Sean Burke story is, is uh, we, went, we went to a game in Arizona and when I was living in Arizona, and he picks me up, and we go there, and I'm doing some scouting, and he's doing some scouting. And then we come home, he's driving, and I say, hey, Burke, you can just drop me off a block. You don't have to turn down my street to, to drop me off. You can just drop me off right here at the corner. So he drops me off. And I got across the street, and it's laid out, and he rolls down, he, he pulls forward, he rolls down his window a little bit, and he says, hey, Hershey, and I stop in the middle of the street, and I look at him, and he goes, hey, watch for cars. You don't want to get hit by a car. And I say, ah, thanks, that's really nice of you. And then he says, ah, don't worry about it, nothing hit you ever anyways, and then he drives off. <laughs> <laughs> Will that work for Carey Price? 
Uh, maybe. Probably not. He's going to want to have stuff against. Carey Price has been pretty good. He's been hit by a lot of pucks. Yeah, but, Brendan yeah. Gallagher went off yesterday about why no one in Montreal is concerned about Carey Price except maybe the media. Do you have any concern, or is his work rate and his skill still at a level that will make him? As we argued last week, Canada's Olympic goalie, and he will be fine in Montreal. Any concern from you? No, I, I have no concerns about Carey Price. I, I think everybody gets goes through stuff. Montreal's still in the playoff spot. Uh, Carey Price can play the way he plays, and then he can go tear it up in the playoffs and be unbeatable, right? They just got to get in the dance. Uh, Jake Allen's played very well. I, you know, it, I think the message was probably just getting a little bit stale, and, and Sean Burke will do a nice job. Sean Burke uh, resurrected uh, Devin Dubnik's career, uh, Mike Smith, all those guys. Like, like Berkey, Berkey's a, uh, a, des- a descendant of uh, Benoit Allaire, who was in New York, who had Henrik Lundqvist and all those guys. So he's going to do a good job. I'm actually, with Montreal in fourth place and the Canucks chasing them, I'm actually nervous for the Canucks because I think Sean Burke will turn Carey Price around, and I think Montreal will take off from here. Thanks, Hershey. Enjoy the rest of the day. Thanks, gentlemen. And uh, Smile. See ball. Yeah. See ball. Yeah. yeah I, I, I'm officially a uh, master skier now. Uh, nice. After last weekend, so nicely done. Not a boy. Whistler, and uh, if anybody's seen me tear down the hill, it was yeah. There's plane shooting out the back. I was so fast. Another con. Red on the green <laughs> run. Look for red on the green run. And anytime you want to sell that driver, Perry, I'm here. I'm telling you, season's coming, buddy. You know, Hershey, there was a story about an 11-year-old girl that got run over by a skier at Whistler and left a big gash on the back of her neck. I'm just wondering oh, where my. you were over the weekend. Hmm. I I swear I was. Probably having a pint somewhere. Yeah, having a ski après, après ski. Yes. Take care, buddy. Thanks, man. All right. Love you guys. There he is. Uh, There's Corey Hirsch, uh, presentation of Manifest, uh, joining us uh, this morning here on uh, weighing in on the Canucks and also uh, goaltending situation uh, on the other side of the country right now as the Montreal Canadiens decide to go with Sean Burke uh, to work a relationship out with Carey Price. And look. I mean, you got, what, another $60 million committed to Carey Price here for the next half decade or so, Bear. There'll be a time where that's too much, but I don't think that's the concern right now. Jake Allen, you know, that was surprising, right? Remember they signed Jake Allen? What are they doing? Uh, smart move. He has been complete full value for looking at $4 million goalies considering what's happened here on the West Coast. But Hershey makes a good point. Montreal has really struggled. They're still in a playoff spot because those underneath them have sputtered. Uh, they'll get in a groove. And, and I, you know, I, the interesting thing is who who finds that spot, right? The battle for fourth and we thought we would be in it meaningful games in march boy in the last 24 hours it seems from a fan base canuck fans just have no belief at all that they'll be anywhere near that competition uh 25 minutes after eight o'clock dunbar lumber text line open a lot of you jumping in uh, weighing in with your thoughts with respect to earl uh pros and cons uh and all of it love to hear from you uh feel free to chime in 650 650 and you know what? i also want to open up the phones as well here the window for here's an opportunity for you to vent you know what i know a lot of you've been frustrated as canucks fans what are what are you most frustrated about right now 604-280-0650 what do you want to see from the team here with 30 games to go in the season 604-280 0650 your chance to sound off plus we'll also hit your Canucks in a songs it's all still ahead here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650 this 
is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. Great messaging in on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 with a little green day. Wake me up when September ends. Uh, Man, I'll tell you what, September certainly feels like a long time ago when uh, the uh, bubble finally burst for the Vancouver Canucks and they lost in uh, Game 7 because uh, this season's been a nightmare, Pear. Well, and uh, it was so much hope, right? I think that's the one thing that people are getting used to. The expectations were there. Hesitated for a while when you don't sign the guys you expect. Then all of a sudden, the Nate Schmidt and Travis Hamannick, and you're going, oh, but just maybe. Hope he's there. You think that they may fill in the holes. Hoglander looks like he can play. So the optimism was there. But, boy, it didn't last long. And it just seemed that in the last 24 hours, it's just boiled over, right, from a, hey, great way to start Monday to this is never going to change. We heard it from Corey Hirsch, too. Like, I just don't know when and if it's happening this year. So maybe we have to wait till next December again to be optimistic with this club. All right. Uh, Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650. And now a reminder that this hour is a presentation of our friends over at Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. Phone lines are open as well this morning. 604-280-0650. 604-280-0650. Love to get your thoughts and where your head's at with this team right now. We start with Kevin in Vancouver. Kevin, good morning, sir. Hey, good morning. How are you? Good, thanks. Give me a sense well, okay. of where your mind's at watching this the last uh, this season and with 30 games to go. Okay, well, a couple things. I just want to start by saying I'm a Travis Green fan, but you got to be, like, you got to think about two points. I'll hang up and listen. You've got to play Demko that second game. There's no travel. First of all, he's red hot, shout out, he's confident. The team plays better in front of him, obviously. And then the second thing is, I don't understand why he keeps putting that, I mean, sorry, the, the so-called low line, lotto line together. They're horrible defensively. You gotta have better line management than that. You got three of your top four uh, shooters on one line that can't play defense together, but he keeps putting them out over and over and over, like Desjardins, whatever uh, Willie D did with the Sedins at the end of their career. I think there's a big problem with that. He's gotta use better line management. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, thanks very much for the call, Kev. Uh, 604-280-0650. That frees up a line if you want to jump on in this morning here on the starting lineup on Sportsnet 650. Look, kind of talked about the Demko situation. I think when you have back-to-back games and back-to-back nights, this is why you've invested in your goaltending position. This is why you had Braden Holpe come here, right? Look, did it turn out to be the wrong decision to go with Braden Holpe? Obviously, with the result, it's easy to say yes. I was okay with that decision, though, Pear. And with respect to the lotto line, I think the reality is, is this is kind of a one-trick pony for this team up front, right? Like, this is a team that when they score, when they get offense, who gave them offense last night? It was the lotto line. You know, you do not get much in the way of production from your bottom six offensively, uh, and Bo Horvat is streaky uh, at the best of times and is going through a bit of a funk right now and playing with two guys that haven't provided a lot of offense or consistently. And, and you know, those are two guys that are better served on the third line right now for this team. So I think the reality is Travis Green goes back because I don't think there are any other options other than the lotto line to generate offense. I see it differently on both counts. You no longer have a 1A, 1B. Thatcher Demko has, for this moment, played the hot goalie. You play it. You heard Jovo in Florida. You play the guy who's winning. Thatcher Demko has the shutout. You play him again to see if he steals you a game. They were not the better hockey team on the ice last night. But if you get better goaltending, you might have had enough to get by and to have two wins and to keep some hope. And then you go to Braden Holpe to go, hey, Thatcher's played two. We need a rest. You see what you can do in Toronto. Get your groove back. 
That was the first thing. I like the fact that Travis Green last week, and again, he's got to start coaching a little bit more desperately. And there's not a lot. You're just shuffling the deck chairs. But I did like when JT Miller was dropped down last week, and he's on a third line. Holglander gets moved a little bit. And I felt for once you never knew what was coming over the boards that maybe there was another opportunity there. But what do you do? You get in a comfort zone. You win on Monday with the setup you have. You go with it, except in goal, and you try it again. So you can only do so much when you have, and that's the point, and people get it all the time in the text line. Travis Green can only do with what he wants because of what he has in front of him. But I'll say this about Travis Green. You know, everyone's going, they're going to sign Travis, they're going to sign Travis. When you're negotiating a deal, when you were Travis Green and told, hey, you know what, let's find out the final year of contract, let's play it out, economics, we'll deal with it. Well, Travis Green has to agree to that. And trust me, the way things are going right now and how frustrated he is, the fact that his family lives in California, the Canucks may no longer be the 1A, this is the option, this is where I want to be. Slowly you start poking around going, geez, if this doesn't work out here and we're struggling, could there be a better option for me personally? It's only business. We hear that. So when they think Travis Green's the guy or fire Travis Green, Travis Green needs to want to be here. Travis Green may have an option to listen to what's coming out this summer if he doesn't have his name on a contract here. So keep that in mind when it's fire Travis Green or Travis Green's the guy to stay here. Okay, let's get back to the phones here. 604-280-0650. We've got a jammed-up phone board here. Uh, Tim in Vancouver, you're on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, hey, guys. How you doing? Good. How are you this good, morning? Tim. I'm good. Yeah, I just want to talk about uh, my, my biggest frustration is just the, the lineup of fans. It was evident on the postgame show last night just that are still defending Jim to the end here. Like, it's been seven years, guys, and we have really, like, seven good players on this team under contract for under $25 million and we're already capped out for next year. Like, it's unacceptable, and we need to demand better. Like, it's just not good enough. Yeah, it certainly feels thanks, like, Tim. and thanks very much for the call, Tim. It feels like the, the finish line is kind of here for Jim Benning. I will say this, though. There is some cap relief on the way, and, and look at where this team's going to be financially in 15 months from now. Um, you know, whether or not these guys are going to prove to be players or not, there's some encouraging signs in the first couple of games for Jack Rathbone and Utica. Cole Lynn's got five goals to start the season. Jonah Gadjevich, now skating has always been an issue for Gadjevich, but he's got six goals already to start the season there. So, Zach and Surrey, you're on Sportsnet 650. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm just going to touch on a little bit, I think, what the previous caller just brought up. But, uh, you know, the, the cap situation, I think, is completely unacceptable. Um, how this team's performing with a team right up against the cap with two players who should be the center of our core coming up in Pedersen and Hughes in expiring entry-level contracts. And other than that brief little stint in the playoffs, we're nowhere near far close to anything. Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks, Zach. Uh, the fact is, so often in hockey, when a team takes that next step and goes forward, it's usually credit to the GM who's no longer there taking the credit. And I think Jim Benning's drafting has been great. But, you know, we were saying earlier, do defend Jim Benning. I think it's tough to defend Jim Benning. And Seaball, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think you and I were of the same mindset. If this team doesn't reach the playoffs, I think that will be tough for Jim Benning to stay along. And do you trust him to give the credit card? Yeah, some money's going to free up. But let's look at the shopping list. I mean, he hasn't been good at spending money. He's been good at unearthing talent and drafting. But making some monetary choices of the money being spent has been difficult. So I think it becomes tougher and tougher to defend Jim. 
604-280-0650, the number to call, 604-280-0650. We go to Maple Ridge. It's closer than you think, and that's where we find Matthew this morning. Ain't that right, Matt? Yeah, that's what you're talking about there. I just wanted to uh, say thanks for letting me on the show, but also at the same time, just take a look at where we are compared to where the Maple Leafs are. You know, we've gone farther in the playoffs than they have in the last five years with their core group. We've won more rounds than they have. And at the same time, you look at the coach and the general manager. A lot of the coaches and general managers that have rebuilt teams, they weren't there when they made it to the Stanley Cup. Look at Toronto with Mike Babcock. John Cooper may be the only one that I can think of that has rebuilt a team around Steven Stamkos and finally won a cup. But it took him seven years to do so. So you know what? We might have to have a new change of regime, but at the same time, our future is looking bright. All right, thanks for that. Uh, we're going to stay in Maple Ridge. Let's go to Johnny, who's waiting on uh, on line three. How you doing, Johnny? Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? Good. How are you this good, morning? Johnny. Good, good. Just wanted to uh, share, I, I'm complete opposite of a lot of the callers. Uh, I think the people saying we wasted PD and Hughes entry-level contract, you know what, in hindsight, you can look at it like that. But how about Benny signed the guys that we needed to sign four and five years ago to make us competitive, to give us leadership for our youth, that helped mold our team to be the playoff-type team that we were last year. I honestly believe, if you really look at it, we might not have made the playoffs last year. We snuck in with the whole bubble change. Uh, we went on a run and uh, on, behind great goaltending and great system play, which is a kudos to Ian Clark and uh, Green. And I think, honestly, when you look at it, if there's a year we're going to miss, it's this year. I'm okay with it. It's not a normal year for all these players, and I know it's for everyone. When you look at it, we are potentially going to get a top 10 pick if we don't make the playoffs. And if we do make the playoffs, we could go on another run. And let's be honest, we'll probably upset the Maple Leafs because they can't get it done in the playoffs. (laughs) Johnny, appreciate it. Listen, you know, what you're saying is not untrue. It's so different in building a hockey team when you're struggling and say, we're going to have to overspend for these guys. And we talked about when Beagle came by and Rossell came. You're going, man, you're giving those guys an extra year. That's going to come back to kill you. And now we're here. We're going, man, I wish we had more money. But you're judged on what you're doing. What have you done for me lately? That's the business. I think Jim Benning's done some good things. But lately, this step backwards may be one that's going to be difficult for people to have the patience like Johnny does to say, hey, you know what? We're still moving the right way. Let's try to uh, let's try to get one more call in here. Robin Richmond, uh, you're on Sportsnet 650. Thanks for the call, guys. Um, I guess, yeah, like your last caller is basically on, on the money there is – we know what management is going to going to stand with Benny, uh, the coaching. And again, it's one of those things where it's a development time. So we as fans, uh, we basically are just going to have to like, as long as they're playing as, as a fan, as long as they're playing decent hockey, I'm okay with them missing the playoffs this year. So Rob, you were okay with last night's performance? Uh, I can't, to be honest with you. Last night, uh, I I left I left the game as soon as uh, uh, Winnipeg scored. So I, I came back to it in the third period. Um, was I okay with it? No, I mean, but I was I was okay with Monday's game, absolutely. And I'll tell you one thing: at the beginning of the season, what I was seeing was horrible, and I was uh, I was also the, the the caller had commented on. Um, we might have not have made the playoffs or, or the bubble. That's, that's 100%. Benny made that trade, 
and some people say he paid too much for it, but that's that's what happens, right? Benning Benning usually does pay over, but he did bring in Toffoli. He just couldn't keep him. So we got to look at that end of it as well, right? We got in the bubble and we probably overproduced. The Blues they want to be there, right? Let's be let's be honest mm-hmm. about it. The Blues they want to be in the bubble, right? Yeah, Rob, appreciate the call. Uh, thanks for jumping in here this morning. And, you know, I, I think in a lot of – here's another thing to factor in here, in the Toffoli signing and how the offseason played out. I mean, it was this time a year ago that Bill Daly had pretty much said publicly that the cap was going to climb probably somewhere between 4 and $8 million. But when you yes. factor in a flat cap, you know, that sort of wiggle room, I think it completely changed, you know, what this team was probably hoping to do and what we're ultimately looking at here right now. 844, some final thoughts before we turn things over to the Scott Rintoul Show coming your way at 9 o'clock this morning. Uh, we'll tee up with what Scotty's got, a couple of thoughts on the Dunbar Lumber text line, and we'll hit the music as well. All still ahead right here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. Oh my God, love this song. Don't forget to sign your text, the 650-650, but the old, uh, what was it, spitting image puppets uh, that used to be on, I think, NBC back in the 80s, and then they used all these puppets uh, for this Genesis video, Land of Confusion. Great Canucks in a song that sums up the team right now, Land of Confusion. Pal, you and I both, I mean, I think that came in like an hour ago, and we've been doing this for, what, almost a full season, started mid-season last year with Canucks in a Song, and and you think and go, what works? And then the odd time you see something, and whoever came up with Land of Confusion, that cut, man, you you absolutely nailed it. You deserve more credit. Sign your text, everybody, because that was a Canucks in a Song win. It, it has been a Land of Confusion, James, but honestly, I'm surprised with the callers how – there seemed to be more patience of where this team is. I, you know, from a text perspective, they want everybody gone. Some of the callers are a little more realistic by what they're seeing. Well, it's it's kind of you know it, it's kind of speaks to the intelligence level of uh, you know the callers coming in, people who listen to the show that you know it's not just the hot take in 140 char- characters or a little more than that these days on Twitter. Um, to just yeah fire this that yeah yeah no, I think there's there's some grounded perspective here for for fans who've kind of seen the good the bad and the downright ugly. Uh, the Scott Rental Show will have much more on this coming up at uh, nine o'clock. Scotty featuring uh, Tim McAuliffe, who's got a new show starting next week with Tim and friends, uh, Sarah mm-hmm. Spain from ESPN Radio and the voice of the Vancouver Canucks at least on the TV side, John Shorthouse dropping by to hang out with Scotty from nine to noon today on Sportsnet six fifty. A uh, great Ballack had a song as well. Pair we haven't had a chance to get to Greg's song, but let's bring in Mr. Ballack on the other side of the glass because I know he wants to pump the tunes, his Canucks in a song. What do you got for us, Ballack? Right. Well, I thought you'd never going to get to me here. It's You leave it to the last two minutes of the last show. Call, but last call, buddy. Okay. Last call, buddy. And we might keep on talking so you have no time left to play your song. Now, How was your day, Ballack? I, I just see where I am on the pecking Ballack? order now. I see where I am. <laughs> uh, we've had a good run of Radiohead songs come through in the last few uh uh, Canucks in the songs that we've done. So I want to keep the theme going. I'm a big Radiohead fan, uh, and the lyrics to this song really stood out to me last night when I heard it. Uh, going into the game against Winnipeg, the second game, after the win in the first game, the big shutout, it was a bit of a letdown. So that's the tune I went with, Radiohead Letdown. Down. 
Crushed like a bug on the ground. Balak Muse or Radiohead? Radiohead. Not even oh, a question. Muse, Muse. Not even a question. Muse. Not nope. even close. Come on, man. <laughs> Radiohead's become nice. too sad. Just too complex that... for you, James. Too complex. <laughs> no, but you know what? It's not like Rintoul wants that music setting up his show, right? And now, you know, we're, we're excited. All the interaction, the callers, and now we're going, oh, gosh, the show's done. We're hearing that. Need something upbeat. Upbeat. Uh, we got to get out of here. Uh, the Scott Ritual Show ready to take on. Uh, good news is, or maybe it's bad news, but the Canucks are back at it tomorrow, and so are we. David Amber from Hockey Night in Canada will drop by the show. Ian McIntyre as well, and lots more coming your way. The Scott Ritual Show is next. Thank you so much for everybody weighing in with your thoughts, the ones that want to hate us, the ones that want to strangle us, the ones that love us too. We all appreciate the interaction right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.